is good to be a gangster. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Headlong into Monsters, the ADHD of horror movie podcasts. We are your deadly duo of elderly emos. I am Ragul, coming at you from beautiful Tooele, Utah. And with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host from down on Arkansas Way, Barely Ashley. Ashley, how the hell are you? I am making it this week. This week was a nightmare. I literally, on Friday, told my, all my staff to go home at 12. Was like, why, why would you do just that? Had a nightmare week, just leave. So, uh, any any particular reason why? I can't talk about it on air, but I'm happy to tell you afterwards. Oh, I get that insider knowledge. I feel very privileged. <laughs> Everything I do is like either under an NDA or I don't want to talk about certain people. I mean that makes sense. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Well, but but you're doing good right now, right? Right. I'm good right. today. I'm good. I woke up at like six a.m., which is fucking weird for me. But you're looking. You're just like in shock. Like what? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that because I know how you feel about early morning rising. Um, I I had to wake up at five this morning, so I actually got to sleep in a little bit. But well, that's gross. But yeah, <laughs> four. What is wrong with you? Can I speak? By the way, I'm allowed to speak because I haven't been introduced yet. I'm gonna speak. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. It's we're not formal around here. Okay, that's good. Yeah, four. I just I woke up. Cat woke me up, so I've been up since four. Oh my god, that's uh, why I'm awake. My cat, cat was sleeping yeah. on my chest, hitting me in the face. Yep. They're awful. <laughs> Don't say that. They're evil. Or right, evil. That's better than awful. Evil. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds more. That sounds more accurate. <laughs> anyway, on this podcast, we talk about horror movies and horror happenings. This is a uh, la, 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 la. this is a spoiler podcast, and we do spoil everything about the movies we cover. So, with that in mind, we ask that you listen at your own risk if you don't want to be spoiled. So, uh. Don't trust your Uncle Bob and keep your eyes on the skies and join us as we dive headlong into monsters. This is episode 46, and today we'll be covering Rope, Frenzy, and the Birds as part of our part one coverage of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's filmography. But before we get into that, Ashley, do you care to uh, introduce this disembodied voice we've been hearing? I don't. No. No. Um... This person is a good friend of mine that I met on Twitter, which is like the theme of my entire life. And he doesn't have a horror moniker. You need that. But welcome, Dwayne. Thank oh, thank you, Ashley. And good to be here, Roel. Pleased to be here. Um, yeah, I, 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 my name's already a horror show, so I figure you know, <laughs> it's not, yeah, not help. We call you a deadly Dwayne. There you go. Uh, I've had that. I've had insane Dwayne. That also works, you know, but yeah. Insane. Der- <laughs> Deranged Dwayne? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's They all work. They all apply. <laughs> I love it. Well, Dwayne, we're, we're excited to have you on the show. Um, well, we're, we're going to get. Yeah, I mean, freaking. I love I love because you and I, we've never spoken before. Mm-hmm. I don't believe. Um, no. So, I, you know. Always excited to meet new people, dog. We're so excited to have you on the show. I just people here, and I throw them in front of Raul, and he's like, 
who are these people? I'm like, I don't know. I just met them on Twitter. Pretty much. <laughs> Ashley just throws people in front of me and say, this is your friend now. And I'm like, cool. But I'm excited. I didn't escape from a, uh, an asylum. I'm actually, you know, a somewhat normal while just a human being. I write mystery novels and comic books and other things. So that's who I am. Yeah. In case Ashley didn't tell you. I'm just going to say, if someone is well-adjusted, they don't tell you that they are. True. Very good. <laughs> that is true. Caught you. That's like It's like those uh, like aliens that say, I am human. How are you? <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, <laughs> Pretty much. My goodness. Okay. Let's... <laughs> Dwayne, I don't know if Ashley told you, but I'm a huge reader, mostly horror and mostly extreme horror. But I, I do like to I'm voraciously devouring all sorts of literature at any given time. I just mostly talk about the, the horror side. Yeah. Um, Disgusting so you've heard of in your life. You're just you're just still hung up on the vagina burger. That's all. That's all your. Wow. I don't know where to go with that one. Okay. Not going to be reading any of those books that you read. Okay. First. Okay. Well, I got another one to talk about later today. Anyway. Um, uh, but Dwayne, send me a link to some of the to some of your your mystery novels. I'd love to check them out. I sure will. I mean, in case anyone listening wants to check it out, uh, my um, website is gleefulmayhem.com. That's all my nonsense is up there. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. And at the end of the show, you'll have cool. a chance to plug that again. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. Uh, well, uh, I guess, uh, now that we got some introductions out of the way, we can move right on to some, Oh wait, no, uh, we're not having feedback this time. Right. Ashley, because I, once again, I'm a garbage person. Would you care to elaborate? We're not doing feedback because we just released the two episodes we did in October uh, on the same day, like four days ago. And that's true. And it's not Raul's fault. He is the only one editing because I'm not going to do it. So it all kind of falls on his back. On my defense, I try not to do it either. But these last two episodes, I had to do long form uh, editing on both of them wow. and it was it was it was it, it took me a lot longer than like previous episode i think any episode um since i've done the kind of raw editing style that we do now um but either way it's been fun and this very last episode where we had uh the millers and ryan on super fun uh, and if the first episode so far to break that four hour mark. So we did it. Ashley, we hit the ceiling. I don't like hitting that ceiling, uh, but it's fine. There's a lot <laughs> to talk about in that episode. So. Yes. It was rad. <laughs> Lots but anyway, of for bloody kills to talk about. Uh-huh. Ooh, so ooey and gooey. But that is why we are not doing some listener feedback. So we have a little bit more time to get some more listener feedback on those uh, two episodes. Because in all total, it's over seven hours of listening goodness that we just released four days ago. So we're not expecting a lot of people to kind of plow right through that. Um, But uh, we are going to move right into our horror happenings. (laughs) 
happenings! Ah, uh, yeah. Ash Ashley's trying to, like, beckon something from just off screen. I don't know what she's doing. I'm trying to get my cat to stop trying to claw at my blinds. Oh. Cats are evil, I'm telling you. Yep, there they are. There's the cat. Yeah. She's so At awesome. <laughs> but she's trying to claw up my blinds and she's going to make them break. So we're going to stop that. Well, Dwayne, I don't know if you've ever listened to our podcast, but on, on, uh, on Horror Happenings, we just talk about any sort of horror, anything that we have been up to, movies we've been watching, games we've been playing, TV yeah. shows, books, or, or I guess books is a separate segment, but um, just really any horror content that we've been ingesting, we just kind of talk about it and how we feel about it. So uh, we're going to let Ashley go first. Good, because I have nothing. <laughs> I was away for work. That was a nightmare. Horror happening to speak in front of a bunch of people but i haven't had any time to watch anything read anything do anything it's been a literal nightmare at work i have nothing but these movies which i don't know if you would really classify all of these as horror but you also classify the terminator as a slasher so anything is anything anymore and nothing matters Also, The Thing is the best rom-com ever made, so whatever. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah! <laughs> Dwayne, I knew I was going to like you, dog. Woo! Yeah. You kidding me? It's just that it's... Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I once... I actually did this. I sort of jokingly but half-seriously pitched to John Carpenter himself. Hey, we should do a sequel called You Sexy Thing, where it really is like Alien Looking for Love. <laughs> like, just, you know... They're not down here to just, they're down here to like join us to like you know blend with humanity literally. That's a rom com. You're right. I agree with you totally. <laughs> that Too is boring. the funniest thing I've heard in so long, and I need to design a poster for you, sexy thing. <laughs> oh my god! Sequel needs to happen, and I literally did. So I work for um, Sandy King Carpenter's comic company. I write comics for them, and I've you know I've met John quite a few times, and I think it was. Maybe had a few beers in me when I pitched that, but I think it was taken in the spirit in which it was intended. But yes. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing and incredible. And I love everything about what you just said. <laughs> but most importantly, do you think the Terminator is a slasher? I, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, it kind of, I think, think kind of is. If you're a Sarah Connor killer. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're done with you know? We're done. That's fine. <laughs> Wait. <clears throat> Dwayne, oh, I, I, I love you. I love you now so much. Now you're Rolo's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. Oh, the best. You keep recruiting people to your army of wrongness. Look, if if you're gonna keep if you're gonna keep forcing people to watch how the fuck is it called anymore? The sharks, yeah, sharks of the corn. If you're gonna keep force people to walk sharks of the corn, I'm gonna try and browbeat people into believing that Terminator is a slasher. So don't, 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 don't judge me. I'm not. I'll go one further. Is Terminator a giallo? Because technically, Terminator is wearing a mask and flesh gloves. Like the whole has a giallo feel to it too. Black leather. It's very stylized, right? It's I a giallo. There's a, Oh, There's a police the procedural unit to it. Exactly. Oh my gosh! 
It's a Western. Well, maybe not that, but it's kind of it takes place in LA. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ashley. You just don't no, seem very amused by any of this. <laughs> this is great. <sighs> well, I I guess uh, Ashley's horror happenings is that they didn't happen. We're that is that we're here talking about Terminator and all its uh, genre bending <laughs> epicness. Um, Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne, oh, would you sorry. like to share your horror happenings? I guess I have two things come to mind. I rewatched um, the Marvel special Werewolf by Night, which I'm a huge fan of. I saw the black and white version last year, which to me was like an hour of just fun. It was kind of silly. It was cool. It was great monsters. And they released this year the color version, which is really interesting because it looked like it kind of really popped in a weird, vivid way that I enjoyed it all over again. So I'm a big fan of Werewolf by Night you know, since I was a kid. So that was a, my kind of high point of last year. Um, so it's nice to revisit it. Uh, I guess the big thing I spent most time October watching was the Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. A Mike Flanagan directed um, or created a Allan Poe tribute, which is like Succession meets Poe. I don't know if you guys watched it or not. It's pretty boring. I refuse to pay for Netflix. There's that. <laughs> but it's cool. Um, yeah, it's just weird. It's sort of like, almost like, in a weird way, it's like a slasher of uh, silly wealthy people you hate. So every episode, it kind of like takes on a different Poe uh, angle. But it's worth checking out. I'm a big Flanagan fan. So that was one of the many series of his adaptations that really kind of, kind of rocked. I do want to I mean, see that... it, but I refuse to pay them $23 a month. Yeah, yeah. That is a... I hear you. I'm going to keep paying because that's just the kind of simp whore I am. Um, <laughs> so, I, But I also have not seen it yet. I just haven't had the time um, Yeah, watching, watching these things and then yeah. just trying to do other stuff and whatnot. Did, did did y'all know Birds is two hours long? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, I did. But also Terrifier 2 was two hours and 18 minutes long, and you were just totally all for that. Yeah, because shit happened in that movie. Okay, we'll talk about it when we get there, I guess. Okay, all right, all right. All right. You're going to kill my soul, I think. I, I Okay, I, I came out really hot on one thing. But don't focus on that because there are a lot of positives. <laughs> okay. There are a lot of positives. Okay. I just. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, Dwayne, did you have other things to add for horror happenings? Um, you know, I, I, I can't. Is, are books allowed? I know you said books is a different segment, but I don't know if books are allowed. Uh, well, so I have. There's another segment called Ragul's. Uh, oh, shit. What did I. Well, I'll save it. It's yeah, a, that's the case later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Books are a different segment, but all right. Well, yeah. As far as, yeah, I suppose usually October is heavy, you know, horror, horror movie watching, although I watch all year long. So, you know, um, this October has been kind of brutal in a lot of deadline ways and other ways. So yeah, I've had not scads of time to like, you know, embrace all that. I usually go to at least one all night marathon, horror movie marathon that didn't happen this year. So yeah, kind of, it's a bummer. Yeah, I feel like my Halloween also, or October of the entire month, was just kind of like, oh, it's here, and then it was gone. 
just as yeah. quickly as it came without me uh, having really the time to enjoy it as much as I have in years past. And it, it, it left me wanting and kind of sad, but I think that was me just trying to fit everything around shit I was doing because I have to be an adult. Wait, what yeah. were you for Halloween? What was I for Halloween? I was a, uh, I was a sugar skull mariachi. Okay. That checks. That checks. Why? Why? Why why would that check, Ashley? You're always calling yourself the Mexican. So that checks. That's true. I am sexy. Anyway. Can't deny that. (laughs) Um, Dominic was Master Chief and Morgan was also a Sugar Skull um, uh, kind of just the the costume said Novia and that's just girlfriend. So I guess she was my Sugar Skull girlfriend and I was down. Sounds cool. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. We were out and it was, fr- it was cold as hell over here. I guess I'm into my horror happenings now. Yeah. Uh, it was cold as hell. I was freezing my my balls off. My gosh! But Dominic had a blast. He was uh, he was just running from house to house. There was like a like a like someone made a haunted house in their garage. It was so it was so cool. Uh, we did see like I want to do that one day so bad. Um, we did see this uh, this group of like junior high, maybe early high school age kids that just stole an entire bucket of candy from one of the ones that says take one, you know? Of course. And I'm like, you asshats. So, yeah. Yeah. Right as Dominic was walking up to it, one of them did feel bad enough and he gave him like a full-size candy bar. Mm. They stole an entire thing of full-size candy bars. Oh, yeah. Full-size candy bars. Okay. That's like grand theft in Halloween terms. That's not just like a misdemeanor. That is right. That is that is. Yeah, that should be like a federal court offense. (laughs) Seriously, the full size, Your Honor. Look at this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I I haven't really had time to do a whole lot of anything else. Although I did finish my journey through the Saw franchise. I watched Spiral. um, And of course, you know, I did watch Saw X. Um, Not honestly, not a bad movie in the bunch, man. Fucking love them all. They're all so damn good. I've only seen the first one. (laughs) First one's classic. It's it's hard to beat. To me, it's still my favorite. It's just, it's grungy and low-key and creepy but yeah i do love the whole the whole series okay well i know i know the next series i'm gonna pick for when it's my turn to franchise for my my, my turn to pick the franchise we're reviewing which ashley next it's your turn next so it's gonna be a while before i get to pick okay <laughs> I'm gonna pick the worst fucking franchise ever just to kill our spirits Oh, does Sharks of the Corn have a franchise? <laughs> I'm going to make sure it does by then. <laughs> Sorry. Terrible. Continue. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, I really hadn't been doing anything else. It's just uh, trying to make our way through, uh, you know, starting November and all that shit. So 
Yeah. Uh, I guess we can move into Raul's reprehensible reading room. And this oh. is where I would put in the audio, except I still don't have <laughs> the audio to put in. No, I suck. I am the worst. But, Dwayne, this is where we talk about uh, the books we're reading. And it has its own segment because, well, some of the books I read, people really like to note them despite yeah. never wanting yeah. to read them. Uh, but, Dwayne, you go ahead first. You said you got you had some books you wanted to talk about? Well, yeah. I mean, I always try to do some, um, like, horror. You know, I read horror all year long as well. But um, October, I try to ramp it up. Um, and I this I often go for short stories because the I think horror is that in short story form is that can be its strongest sometimes uh, versus a you know big slab of a of a novel. But um, recently, there's a small publisher of Valencourt Books put out a collection by Michael Shea called I'm going to mispronounce this probably I think it's Polyphemus or Polyphemus. It's like his six or seven short stories, and one of them is the Autopsy, which uh, Guillermo del Toro adapted into his series last year, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. So the story itself, it's amazing. And the, the adaptation's even, you know, just as good. But if you haven't read the story of the autopsy, I highly, highly recommend it. It's Michael Shea's a madman. Uh, sadly, um, he passed away a bunch of years ago, and he didn't write anywhere near as much as I, I'd like him, have, him to have written. But it's, he's amazing. Awesome, man. I made a note of that, and I'm going to be definitely checking that out. And you said it's, cool. it's in a collection of shorts? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, and I'll say, I can see the link. It's, it, was just, it was hard to find for years because it was like an obscure hardcover. And Valencourt republished, republished it just uh, a few, I'd say last month. Yeah, it's really worth checking out in a paperback or ebook edition. They have both. And po- Polyphemus, right? Polyphemus, yeah. I, I think it's, I, that's how you, I, I should not have pronounced that, but it's a weird Lovecraftian word, I believe, that us mortals oh, are man. pronounced. You you keep winning me over. You, <laughs> Gamble del Toro adaptations, Lovecraft inspired. My gosh, I, I you're winning me over, dog. Oh, if you like me, if you're a Lovecraft fan like me, I mean, um, I mean he's problematic, but beside that, he wrote some really crazy stuff. Um, uh, Shay also wrote a book called Color Out of No Color Out of Time, kind of a semi sequel to Color Out of Space. And this novel is it's amazing. Yeah, so it's really he's a big Lovecraft guy and does a lot of nods to Lovecraft. So I think you'd probably dig him if you're into it. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out too. And yeah, he was probably, I wouldn't say he's problematic. I'd say generally he's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but he did, he, he, he did write some really good stories despite, yes, you know, his, Awful it, it, I, yeah, despite being a piece of shit, you know? So yeah. He's, you, you can't deny how good he is at building world and lore and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. How about you? What uh, are you guys reading or have read? I'm, I'm, I'm oh, man. So a couple episodes back, I was talking about um, kind of pre-reading a book that uh, was had not been released yet. I was reading it for the author uh, mm-hmm. to get feedback, to give him feedback and whatnot. Uh, well, that book has since come out, um, cool. and it's it's called Thirteen: A Collection of Horrors uh, by a good friend of the show and uh, 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 occasional guest MC Ma, uh, Mike Ma, who runs in the Ma of Thanatos, the YouTube channel where he reviews horror movies. Um, yeah, he put out a cool. a book of thirteen horror shorts. Uh, I call it horror shorts, but that book is like 400 pages long. It's it's pretty lengthy. It took me a while to get through it. 
Um, there it, it was really freaking good. Um, I'd cool. honestly say not really a bad uh, story in, in in the bunch, and they don't really get into as viscerally violent as I like my books to get. But mm. there was. Uh, there, there was one story. I believe it was called Fish, and holy Moses, that one bordered. That one got into, peaked its, peaked its head into the genre of extreme horror, and it was so good. My gosh, it was my favorite of the of Excellent. of the stories. But I, I, there's there's lots of good things. If you love horror, if you love horror literature, you're gonna find something to love. In uh, in thirteen, a collection of horrors by M. C. Moss. So I suggest everyone check that out. I will. That that sounds good. I wrote it down. This is excellent. Cool. And see, Ashley, someone's gonna read something I recommend. <laughs> I don't read anything either. If you recommend to me, so no, never. Oh, that's, that gives me the sad. I have them. I don't have the capacity after I'm reading. You guys don't understand why I have to read day in and day out at work. I can imagine. I, I mean, that's serious. fine. No. You read serious, actually world-changing things. We're reading, you know, I don't know, <laughs> disgusting, exploding fish head stories or whatever <laughs> else we're reading. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's a, it's a no giant cloud of visceral violence. It's like I have one right now that well, I have the RFP, which is the request for proposal from the agency is 84 pages long of all the Ooh. things they require. And then their proposals are like hundreds and hundreds of pages long. And so I'm having to like compare back and forth about are you doing what the agency is telling you to do? No, of course you're not. I have to go back and tell you to make edits. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the day, my eyes hurt and I'm mad. Well, Ashley, I, I'm gonna I am gonna recommend a, another one to you. <laughs> the fucking list, my dude. Okay, but, but only only because I know you like. Is it Shark uh, pets. the Porn book version? Uh, no, fuck you. So it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's it it feels a lot like it's like if uh, Pet Cemetery was like gothic okay you have my interest and it is the the last book i was talking about sleeping celeste by alana k drex the uh, author i was trying to get an interview with um but it's really short it's 125 pages uh you know set i don't know 90 minutes aside you could probably blast through it um and it is it's really good it's not viscerally violent. It is actually pretty emotional. And uh, you're going to, at least for me, I can tell you about my experience. Uh, I found myself, my my re- relatability from one character, really leaning back and forth depending on their actions. Um, so I, I it, it's kind of, a, it's short, but it's an emotional roller coaster. Thoroughly enjoyed it. At the end, it does get a little... Like, not, I, I wouldn't even call it extreme horror. It does get pretty visceral at the end, but I wouldn't call it extreme. But it is, yeah, it, it's it's gothic pet cemetery. 
Wow. What was it called again? The title? It's called Sleeping Celeste by Alana K. Drex. God, thank you. Yeah, if anyone reads it, please let me know. It's it's it, like I said, it's really mild. It uh, the authors does state like at the end it gets into extreme horror, but I I disagree. I don't think it quite you know crosses that threshold. But it, it yeah, it's it's good. Um, currently reading the Laws of the Sky by oh shit, uh, Kurt. I love those shits work. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that guy. Good old, good old, oh shit. Salt of the earth. Oh, brother. Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh my, I'm going to butcher this name. Kurtois, uh, Kurt, Kurt, Gregorier, and Mullins Ronda. I hope I said that right. Um, I haven't finished it yet. Very, uh, maybe about 40% through the book. Uh, essentially, it's just. Camping, woods, a group of six-year-old kids, and violence. Cool. Oh, are they going to kill the kids? Because that's your favorite thing. It is. It is his favorite thing. Really? Killing kids? Wow. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? I love... Yeah, the symbols of innocence, man. You got to... Uh, lines are there to be crossed, I think. And when a when a when a movie, TV show, book, a story, any any sort of horror media, when when it has the balls to kill a symbol of innocence, kids, pets, dogs, cats, you know, pregnant women, whatever, kill kill them all because that is that is crossing a line that I respect when someone has the balls to cross. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. I mean, like. Pet Cemetery still freaks me out. And I thought, wow, King went there. You know, mm-hmm. toddler versus the semi. It's like, wow, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, toddler, toddler versus semi. That toddler's gonna win. The toddler's gonna lose nine times out of ten, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> one time though, that one time they win, they win. It's kinda of, kinda of awesome. Yeah. When they actually oh, yeah. Fall, I'd, lo- win. I'd love to see that one time. Rumor has it it only happens every other blue moon, though. Exactly. No, you're right. I mean, I, I grew up as I, I read a lot of, you know, Splatterpunk. I mean, I grew up, cut my teeth on the original wave of Splatterpunk stuff in the 80s. So I need to make that make you happy because I, I could tell you're a Splatterpunk guy. That was my, you know, that's my upbringing. I mean, I was, I love Stephen King. But then I found Clive Barker and then Skip Inspector and David Scow and all these. I mean, that was like, I found my, my home, you know, when I was a, a young punk in the 80s. Dwayne, you and I are going to be really good friends. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, we have very similar, very similar tastes, which is cool. Have you have you read any Aaron Beauregard works? No, no. I need to, obviously. Yes, yes, you do. Award. He's an award-winning spatter punk author. Um, right. uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Send, I'm gonna send you some links, dog. <laughs> if, you, if you check him out, please let me know. Oh. I don't have to. You got it. <laughs> Man, hell's yeah. I'm gonna have cool. we're gonna have to have uh, Dwayne back on for every episode of uh, Raul's reprehensible reading room <laughs> or something. I do applaud you do a, a book segment. That's awesome. I mean, I think that people don't talk about. I love horror, but to me, horror fans are just like, oh, there's books too. I'm like, yeah, there's books too. <laughs> there's a lot of great body of literature that's you know so amazing that 
usually movies catch up to years later, you know, and I think it's the, all the ground, the groundbreaking stuff happens, I think in print personally, I think a lot. Of oh yeah. There's so many things that happen on the printed page that yeah. like you, there, you, you, you can't depict that without like people wanting to put you in jail. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I do love Clive Barker's line, you know, forbid the pen, nothing, which is a great motto that I think you should. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's a so there's a podcast called Written in Red, uh, mm. authors Written in Red on Authors Podcast, um, and it's uh, Daniel J. Volpe, uh, Aaron Beauregard, and oh shit, who's the third guy? I, I can't remember his name's escaping me right now. Um, but they talk about you know the 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 their experiences being uh, horror and extreme horror and spider punk authors. Um, they talk about like the writing process. Uh, I think the first like 60 episodes was like start to finish. Here's your, here's your idea. And now it's printed and you know, it's, wow. you, you get sales. Uh, it's really cool. It's so in depth, but they also have like a spotlighting reading corner where that's where I've discovered so many good books. Um, but so if, much. if anyone, if anyone has time, uh, including yourself Dwayne, please check it out. Let me know what you think. That sounds cool. Man. Yes. Freaking horror literature. Yeah. Ashley's wondering, what hell have I unleashed? What have I done? Like now, now, now I have created a bond between two people that can't be undone. We're, we're just caught in a bad bromance. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now I think we should probably get into our reviews. Uh, so looking at our dance card, we have... Uh, Rope, The Birds, and <clears throat> Frenzy. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I was trying to <laughs> <laughs> do that off memory. But, uh, Ashley, this is your pick, right? Rope? Are we doing Rope no. first? No, these are these are all your picks. This is like... Uh, all my picks? You each picked one. Right. Are you sure? Yes, I did I Frenzy. <laughs> I think so. And I will never What'd forget. You- you for that no <laughs> you picked the birds you literally were like the birds and i was like cool oh yeah well i don't remember things <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not synopsizing or however you say that every single one of these but i will do rope well no i was gonna say you you pick who synopsizes who synopsizes what but yeah if we all pick we'll just we'll just synopsize what we did uh, which what which movie came out first? I believe it's Rope, right? Rope was the first one. I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure yes, it? yeah. Rope was the. So, I mean, Rope was the '50s, Birds the '60s, and Frenzy the '70s. So we're decade hopping here with Hitch. Awesome. I well, I think. Well, let's let's just move in that order. We'll do uh, Rope, and then the Birds, and then Frenzy. Um, so I guess Ashley, go ahead and give us the synopsis for uh, rope. I'm just reading it off IMDb. Two men attempt to prove they commit the perfect crime by hosting a dinner party after strangling strangling their former classmate to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's about that's really that's a, exactly what happens. So. What a what a beautiful stage play committed to uh to to film. It does feel like that because of the way they shot it. It's just one continuous shot the whole time. 
So it feels very much like very theatrical and I really like that about it. But I like the absurdity of this, the premise of this movie so much that it's my favorite Hitchcock film. Now, uh, now, Dwayne, have you, have you ever seen this movie? I saw it years ago, and I, I, I had the feeling just now that I haven't done the homework. <laughs> I haven't rewatched Rope of the Birds in a long time, so I, I, was, I didn't realize that we were, we were supposed to watch those as well. But I did see Rope okay. years ago. Yeah, and it's very stage play-ish. It's the point where, I, was it based on a play? I can't remember if it was. I think it was, but I could be wrong. I did not look that up, and I, because I watched these literally this week. I watched them all, well... Like last the, night, right? I watched the birds last night, but I watched these earlier this week. Mm-hmm. So I was ahead of myself a little bit. This was but actually I a watched. play. 1929 by Patrick Hamilton, an English play. So it did have, you see, you guys are right. About the yeah. stage sort. Nailed it, yeah. It definitely feels like a play. It's all single location, one room, like 12 Angry Men style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got to give it a lot of credit for that because I love when a movie or really any story takes place in one location and keeps things interesting throughout that one location, you know? Oh, yeah. Hard to pull off because, I mean, movies are meant to literally move, right? You want to go from, you know, scene to scene and have momentum. It's hard to pull that off. And and the ones that do are kind of incredible. Oh, absolutely. And this one, I don't feel. I don't know. There's there's some things that I really, really like about this movie, like uh, (laughs) like the super sassy housekeeper. I freaking loved her. She was so damn funny throughout the entire movie. No, she was a character. And, like, the fact that she didn't know what was happening the whole time was just totally just... I don't... I don't know. There's one dude freaking out in the corner. There's one dude who's just, like, so proud of what he's done that he is so chill. He doesn't even give a fuck. But the lady just doesn't... Is this their normal personalities? Because she just doesn't catch on to anything that is happening around her. She's like, yeah, we're having well, a party. Everything's cool. Well, no. I mean, she she definitely makes uh, co- comments. I think they're her employer. So she's kind of like, well, I guess they're just okay. being weird today. But, yeah. like, she definitely mentions... To the other party guests, like, uh, like, oh, yeah, so we definitely did wake up on the wrong side of the bed oh, today, right. you, you know? Like, did say that, because that guy was yeah. acting, <laughs> he was very upset about what they did. And yeah, the he, lo- he like, looked, you're going to fuck this up for me? Stop it. The one guy looked like he had just taken a bump of coke, and the other guy <laughs> looked, it seemed like he was, uh, I don't know, about to break his arm, jerking himself off. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then enter Jane Stewart, who I am forever crushing on. Well, the second I saw James Stewart's name in the opening credits, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know I actually picked this. <laughs> Jimmy's cool. Jimmy's always awesome. Yeah. yeah. The whole time he was talking, I just kept imagining, Merry Christmas, movie house. I just. <laughs> <laughs> he brings that in. That's his thing. He, he gave like a monologue the same way he did there in almost everything he does. 
Mm-hmm. But maybe you're right. Maybe, but he's in a lot of Hitchcock stuff, so it's not like I didn't have a lot to choose from. It's funny that you say he's wow. Do you, do you guys hear my voice crack? I'm freaking twelve. It's funny that you say he's in a lot of Hitchcock stuff, but he's only in one of the movies we're covering today. I, I, I would have picked Vertigo, which is I think the best Hitchcock. By the that's way, what's I think. Playing in the background. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, and, and Jimmy Stewart's brilliant in that one. Uh, that's just a it's a it's a mind blower. Uh, but I was not allowed to. I think I think we wanted to go more obscure. Is what I was told. But I feel really. <laughs> I pressured you to go more obscure. I didn't say. But then now I regret that decision, and we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Oh, we're definitely going to fight. We're definitely going to fight about this because... I knew it. (laughs) It's funny how you told told Dwayne to go obscure, and I was like, oh, I'll pick the birds. I had no... I I wasn't going to... You were just like the birds. I was like, cool. Are cool. People are gonna be like, "Why aren't you doing Psycho in the very first one?" Well, that's well, way too obvious. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Psycho has been you know discussed a lot. I love Psycho. I love me a good Psycho. Um, it's wonderful. But yeah, I mean, actually, I like that you you, you press into more obscure because I it gave me a, a reason to revisit Frenzy, and that was that was cool. And we'll get to that later. <laughs> so yeah, the. Uh, before this episode, I realized that Psycho was the only Alfred Hitchcock movie I'd ever seen. No. That is like a dagger to my soul. <laughs> and I loved one of these movies. Oh. Okay. So let's just hurry and get through this one. Oh, absolutely not, Ashley. <laughs> We have to talk about the movie like the one like the one guy. He's such a pompous jackass dick. Like he's the the guy that like (laughs) will rat on himself. Like he'll he'll be in court being like uh, not guilty or honor like 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 denying everything. And then he'll go back into his cell and be like he'll lean over to his cellmate. Just be like, yeah, I cut the bitch, you know. (laughs) Yep. No remorse nothing inside of him because it was you really thought he was the superior being i guess Mm -hmm. what he was being taught in his class like he thought like he was intellectually superior he was financially superior so he had the right to kill someone and it didn't matter yeah i mean i i I can kind of see where like this type of character could influence other characters because you kind of get the same vibe at least for a little bit i was like did they kind of base some of uh, Al, uh, not a uh, son of a bitch, some some of Hannibal Lecter's like mannerisms off of this guy because he definitely comes off as like a mentally superior person. He, I mean, uh, he says that you know he doesn't consider what he does is wrong because he doesn't consider people to be peers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just kind of cattle. So I was like, oh, that that's sort of like mental superiority. I can definitely see from this character maybe influencing other characters like Hannibal Lecter. So I think that part's really freaking cool. That is awesome. Like the whole idea of like class and murder is fascinating. I mean, it's actually was based, Rope is based in a real case. I just looked up the names. It's got blank, I blanked on it. The Leopold and Loeb murders. These two uh, college students in 1924 basically took this 14-year-old kid, Roll, you'll love this, took this 14-year-old kid and decided to kill him. 
Noise. I mean, and because they thought they can get away with it. They were superior. They were smart. It was like a whole, you know, it was kind of a shocking thing over almost 100 years ago. Like, wow, what the hell is wrong with today's kids, you know? Um, so there's this idea of, I, it's, it's really cool you trace it through Hannibal Lecter because there is this idea of, you know, killers are smarter, richer, you know, uh, this, this next step in evolution, kind of. So, yeah, I love that thought. Yeah. Um, and then... when they're finally caught right when they're finally caught and james stewart's like well that's your gun in your pocket isn't it you know like (laughs) i terrible james stewart voice but get get the buckle in because i'm not gonna stop so (laughs) (laughs) um you know when, when they're finally caught and 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 they're like but you know, you this is what we talked about all through college, you know. This like you you should understand we wanted you to join us even. Like, no, this is just just stuff stuff we talked about hearsay and stuff whatever the hell, you know. <laughs> like these are just high concepts. But I I think another part of me likes this movie because I understand that as someone in science. Um because there could be so much more discovery if we didn't have all of these regulations in place about protecting people or animals or whatever. So there's a part of you inside that's like, I could do all of these things. Like I could solve all of these problems. Like this could be the ultimate, most beautiful scientific discovery. But there's like these societal things in place that I can't do that. So, but this guy was just like, you know, fuck that. I'm going to take these concepts that I've learned and uh, I'm not going to abide by our societal rules. And I can get why he was really, like, excited about it. Like, he felt Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be doing science. But but no, here's I, the I, thing. I, <laughs> did, did he... Did he really want to enact these rules because, you know, like, did he really believe in them or was he using these mental gymnastics of, I don't know, self-proclaimed superiority as just an excuse to commit murder? Well, (laughs) I don't know. Is, was there like something inside of him just felt like he needed to get rid of the lower class? Is that well, his friend wasn't really. I don't really. They don't go into that, but I feel like his friend, their friend, was on like the same kind of level, so he didn't like go for what you said ha- like actually happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't. It seems like he just wanted to kill someone. So I, I, I think I think the three people, the guy that's jerking himself off, the guy that's bumping coke, and then the guy that was like, oh, no, this is morally reprehensible. Um, and <laughs> listeners, this is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> yes. Listeners, this is an Alfred Hitchcock movie that came out in 48. So it's not like it, I, he's not actually jerking himself off here. He's just kind of little aggressively tapping himself on the back, let's say. But. <laughs> He thinks he's done the greatest, most artful thing that anyone could ever do. And he feels like he executed it perfectly. But but I feel like enough to set like the scene, like 
not only did he think he did it so perfectly, he wanted to set like the scene <laughs> for people. He, so he, he wanted to, he's yeah. an edge lord because he wanted to see how close he could get yeah. to getting caught without getting caught. Yeah. It reminds me of the Zodiac Killer. Same thing. He wanted to play by his rules and show off. Look how smart I am. All of you pigs are dumb. And look, I mean, that's just like, that's sort of showmanship in a weird way. And I think to your point, your question about rule about, you know, is this, do you actually just want to kill somebody or you want to show off? I kind of think it's like showing off in the extreme way. Like they want to show how brilliant they are. And like the rules don't apply to me. This is what murderers and certain brands of con artists think the same thing. The rules don't apply to me because you know what? I'm smarter than the rules so I can transcend them and I can put some dude in a box. <laughs> I can, I can shoot lovers on, on a hillside in the Bay Area. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think these three dudes represent, you know, because they all know the ideology. They, they you know, they, they've all talked about it, chattered about it, maybe even joked about doing it, you know? And I think they, they, the three of them kind of represent the levels of mentality related to this ideology. One, you know, James Stewart's character, he'll, he'll talk about it and he'll joke about it, but deep inside he knows it's morally reprehensible and it goes no further than that. The Mm -hmm. second one, the guy that's bumping Coke, you know, he's the, (laughs) he's the, the jittery dude, he's, he's so worried about being caught because he also knows, like, he took the ideology and kind of ran with it. He did what he did because, oh, what if this is the right thing to do? What if, mm-hmm. you know, like, what if um, uh, mental uh, superiority does give you the right to commit murder? You know, what if this is right? And then once he did it, he realized, oh, none of this is true. It's all bullshit. Um, and we did a terrible thing and like so there's that and then the third guy who doesn't believe the ideology at all and just uses that as an excuse to do what he wanted to do yeah that's so that's what i think these these characters are i don't know maybe i'm reading too far into it sounds good i like that Can I just say, okay, I lost my thought. Good. So. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) The ADHD took my brain away. Man, the, 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 the pompousness of the one dude absolutely boggles my mind. He takes the rope, the, the murder weapon. He takes the rope. That's what I was going to say. (laughs) Okay, go, go, go ahead, Ashley. Go ahead. I was just going to say like. The level of unhinged this dude was to take the rope, tie it around the books as like a, like, it's there. Like, the murder weapon is there. I want everyone to see it, but they're not going to know that's what I used. And then he stuffs his friend into that chest and then decorates it and puts the food on top of it. Like, this dude is fucking... I don't know if he's just being, like, over-the-top artist or he's just... I mean, he's truly unhinged, but I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I there, there's there's a lot to unpack with that character, and it it seems like everything he does is is to put on a show that no one else knows is happening. Yeah, but he he's just sitting there watching it all unfold, just so happy with himself. Yeah, he's just, and he's looking at to his mentor. 
wanting that approval mm -hmm. and then he doesn't get it and that's when things go weird yeah it's a little weird but also can we talk about my favorite one of my, another one of my favorite characters which is the mentor's sister go for it because she's like it seems like she was in a different party the whole time was she <laughs> like the older she's, lady yeah she's the older lady with like that veiled kind of hat she's so damn funny oh my gosh at one point um she says like oh i was quite fond of reading and literature in my youth and then the the pompous dude is like well we all do the weird things when we're young <laughs> oh my gosh that that made me laugh it didn't make me chuckle i had a pause because i was laughing so hard <laughs> uh, they balance the humor well. humor the humor part is is, is, is kind of amazing sorry ashley i was talking over you no you go ahead no just just that that the people think of you know Hitchcock as suspense. I think he's terribly funny as well. He does a lot of just funny, funny, weird things uh, throughout his films, different degrees. But yeah. Yes, I I liked the balance there between the suspense and the humor, and then the eventual end of this film, which is just a James Stewart monologue. One of my favorite things in the whole world. I feel like that's where we're going to disagree right now because <laughs> and, and it's not, like that. it's not no. just this movie. Don't, don't get me twisted. It's not just this movie. I feel like all three of these movies end in a incredibly, abrupt I don't know. Way? Yeah. Abrupt, not very good way. They just, it feels like they just stop rolling. They just stop. They're not conclusive at all. But I think that's his kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not really for that because, because like I said, the uh, the the only other Hitchcock movie I've ever seen is Psycho, and that does not end in a very abrupt way. That's a wonderful ending. Yeah, it's crazy. One of my favorite cinematic endings of all time is Psycho, and a lot of uh, some people don't feel that way, but I love it. You know. And yeah. so these movies, and yeah, there's that little monologue that James Stewart gives, but I'm like, ah, it, it just stops. I'm like, what the, what's going to happen, damn it? <laughs> They're not brought to account. I, like, will, James defend that, I, I will defend that choice, the, the abrupt ending, that kind of almost, almost a, a little bit of a shock, because you want people to leave the theater like asking that question, what the hell just happened? Oh my God, if you want to talk about it and be buzzing about it as you walk out of the theater... And that creates conversation. I don't know. I, I can see both sides of it, but I, I, I do. I'm, I'm not a big fan of putting a too neat a bow on things at the end. You know, I, I do like that. What? What the fuck just happened? Kind of feeling. Yeah. We'll write part two and then make that film, and you can finish it. Wrote part two, still twisted. No. Not <laughs> We're like okay. <laughs> <laughs> that joke jar. That joke, I know. Oh, actually, I'm gonna say that. Mike, you mentioned about the the rope being in plain view. The only uh, story ever tops that, in my opinion. You ever hear of a a Roald Dahl story where he basically a, a wife murders her husband with a, a frozen leg of lamb, and when the cops show up to investigate, she cooks the leg of lamb for the cops and they eat it. 
So they eat the murder weapon, essentially, which is the most badass thing ever. <laughs> what what story is this? Is this a book? Roll, is this Roll a movie? Dahl, this is Roald Dahl who wrote, you know, Willy Wonka and the Charlie and Chocolate Factory. He's written a lot of really superb uh, sort of adult suspense and thriller stories. Which one is it? I'm blanking on the title. I should have. It just occurred to me. So let me uh, do some uh, internet magic. <laughs> uh, which one is it? Oh, is it's, that- called, it's called Land of the Slaughter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is the most gangster thing I've ever <laughs> heard. Of. I mean, I mean, come up with a plot where you can have like, you feed the cops the murder weapon. It's just that to me is genius, you know. Uh, so, so rope comes close, but I think Dahl took it over the edge. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of suspense in this movie. Like, there's that one scene, you know, people are leaving, they're cleaning up, and then you get the sassy uh, housekeeper, uh, and, and it's angled. Like, there's a conversation happening off screen, but the camera is is dead centered, like, focused on, on, on the chest where this corpse is and has been the entire party. And, and it's... Uh, the, the the housekeeper keeps coming back to the chest to clear stuff off, back to the chest to clear stuff off, back to the kitchen, and she does that like three or four times, and you know of it, and she like she's bringing the books from the kitchen to the chest. She's gonna want to put them back in there, and you know she's gonna want to do that. And I, it, for me, I was like, is she gonna open that chest? Is she just gonna ah? You know, like. <laughs> love that. That is so suspenseful. Freaking loved it. Yeah. Whenever you can tell, like, the audience knows something that the viewers, the people in the, in the movie do not know, and you drag that out as long as possible, that's just, you know, that's the definition of suspense. Um, you're really hanging by a thread. And actually, I'd say later, Frenzy does, there's a few scenes they do it really masterfully. I mean, it still, still has got it. But, yeah, I love that about Rope as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was so so damn good. Um, the there's I I got to talk about some of the negatives in this movie though, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, well, I there guess I don't none. really have a okay, whole lot. What? It 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 just it just feels like it's a little slow, to me. And it's and that's saying something because this movie's only an hour and twenty minutes long. I was like, yes, this is. I, I saw the runtime. Like, oh, it's brisk, it's sweet, straight to the point. Gonna love it. And even with that, I still found myself kind of checking the clock every now and then, be like, oh, how long have we been staring mm-hmm. at this corner having a conversation about books that I don't give a shit about? You know, like there, it is heavy dialogue. It is very heavy dialogue. There's not a lot of action in this uh, in 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 this suspense movie because I'm not going to call it horror. Uh, it, it is more of a suspense. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, because of that, it's a little. It feels a little slow to me, especially coming off of the Saw franchise and the Terrifier movies. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's going to feel slow. <laughs> you can't compare them like that though no but uh, i bring those up because like yeah it felt slow to me because of what i've been watching i would love to watch this without those movies like recently in my head yeah um, to see if i would appreciate a little bit more so i yeah it's a knock for me but it's not a huge knock ashley you disagree obviously this didn't feel slow to you no it doesn't 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right though. It comes from a mindset. Like if you're used to like these fast-paced, you know, almost like uh, attention deficit disorder movies, so they can be a lot of you know frenzy and activity. Um, it's the more slow burn, old timey, you know, older older films. Yeah, they can seem like what's going on. This is forever, but I don't know. Um, I think if you if you kind of anticipate that, you just relax, take a quaalude, sit back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> You got you got to bump some coke, right, Ashley? I watch older films, like you know, that's my thing. So yeah, but I watch those because my upbringing was so chaotic. Like I found my peace in watching films like this, because there wasn't like a lot of just like in your face stuff. There's not going to be that kind of stuff. It's going to be a little slow. So mm -hmm. like. I think that's why I gravitated like toward the black and white, toward these older films, TV shows, even like this week I've been doing nothing but ingesting I Love Lucy because of how stressful it's been that that type of atmosphere just makes me feel calm. So I think that's what I'm used to and what I like. So I didn't mm -hmm. notice it. And, you know, but it, it's fine with things like I Love Lucy because that's a different genre, you know? Yeah. And I, I love I Love Lucy. I love freaking Gilligan's Island. I love I, – I, I love I, – it's but, not that I don't like old things. I, I definitely have a, a respect for them and I love them. Not to the point that you do. But, I mean, I, I just I – wanted, I wanted more. I was like, good God, someone throw a pie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Take that rope and put it around someone else's neck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, are we ready to rate and recommend? Yeah. Did, did well. Does Does anyone have any other parting words for the movie before we do that? No. Okay. Uh. Well, let's see. Uh. Uh. Dwayne, you no. Well, based on no, my no, no. Ashley, the movie from way back. I mean, I, I would. Yeah, no, that's hard to give it a. I, I, I should have rewatched it. I didn't realize that was part of the assignment i failed i failed you too tell both of you well uh ashley you you i should have told you that uh so that's actually my fault you you picked the movie so give us your uh your rating for it okay i gave it a nine out of ten <laughs> james stewart fondling a rope because he gets the rope at the end and he's just like messing with it with his hands which is kind of hot but and i call it a buy <laughs> were you like were you like i wish james stewart would tie me with that rope if i say things like that i get weird dms so i'm trying <laughs> that's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh well i'm gonna give this you know, talking about it really made me bump up my my rating because I was going to come in a little lower. I'm going to bump it up a half point. I'm going to give this an 8.5. Oh, wow. That's cool. And that, that point five was really just because of the, the pacing for me. It seemed like an issue. Um, but mm. I think it was just my, my frame of mind. I watched this at like 2 in the morning when I was dead tired. And you know what? I didn't fall asleep. So you, there's you got to I got to give the movie credit for that. It kept me interested. That's good. Um, yeah. So 8.5 8 out of 10 sassy housekeepers. 
Um, I'm still only going to give it a rent, though. I feel like uh, if, if, if you do like older movies, I know, right? If you like older movies, uh, if you don't have a problem with like deliberate pacing, um, stuff like that, then definitely buy it. But if, if you're dipping your toes in it, rent it and then decide if you're going to buy it, you know? Well, my opinion, no household is complete without the complete Hitchcock works. So you need the whole box. So you, need, you need all of Hitch's stuff. That's you just you need opinion. a whole lot of cock in there. A whole lot of, lot of, lot of Hitchcock in, yes. So, wow. We went uh, Dwayne, do you feel, even though you didn't rewatch it recently, do you feel comfortable giving us a rating? Yeah, I think I'm going to go between the two of you and go do 8.75 out of 10 because I think that seems fair. I didn't, it's not my favorite Hitchcock. It's up there, as I recall. But I, I think it's you know pretty snazzy and kind of cool. Uh, well, so uh, eight point seven five out of ten. What? Because uh, uh, Ashley I said James Stewart's font. He's probably like doesn't. Oh, I mean, well, he could get like an eight point seven five out of ten. Uh, 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 Newses. What? <laughs> Is it at least for a symbol for the rating? Or it, it, for... Yeah, yeah, because like Ashley did uh, James Stewart Fondling Rope. I did Sassy Housekeepers. Oh. Refer it back to something stupid, silly in the movie that we. Yeah. I see, I see. See, I'm, I'm just, I, I missed the assignment. Oh, you could put like uh, books tied with the murder weapon. That, 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 that works for me. Yep, bundle of books tied with the rope. 8.75. Something I want to do because, like, originally this was for my birthday month, so back in May, but we had to do a little hiatus, so now we're doing it now. And our friend Pastor Matt was going to be on because he's, like, our resident Hitchcock uh, lover. Aficionado. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. thing. So I'm looking at his letterbox reviews, and I'm just going to say he gave this a 7 out of 10. Oh, Oh, it's surprising that he came in lower than all of us. He said a bit of a gimmick flick where Hitch tried to give the impression that it was all one shot. The two leads are mediocre, but Jimmy Stewart and a good script saves it. Seven out of ten. That makes sense. I don't know. Between like the three main dudes, you know, the the, the two leads and, and, and James Stewart, um, I found James Stewart to be kind of like the low one on the pole. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed, I, I, I enjoyed uh, the other two characters more than James Stewart because he just kind of fit in the role of like, Oh, the guy that's putting it together. I felt like that could have been anyone. It could have been the old dude, the guy that was there to look at the books. It could have been the housekeeper finding the clues as she's cleaning up. You know, it just so happened that it was James Stewart. That's true. All right, I have his birds up too, which I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this. But he's gonna be like, why are you looking at my letterbox? <laughs> because, because we love you. Yes. I am not making Ashley very happy on this episode. You didn't. <laughs> you said good things. I yeah, I there's a lot of good things I really found in yeah. in rope. So that's going to change here. Uh I'm going to go ahead and give the synopses for the birds. 
Uh, and like Ashley, I'm just going to go ahead and, and read it off IMDb. <laughs> Uh, the Birds came out in 1963. The synopsis on IMDb says a wealthy San Francisco socialite pursues a potential boyfriend to a small northern California town that slowly takes a turn for the bizarre when birds of all kinds suddenly begin to attack people. Mm. You know, that's not bad. Was she chasing a boyfriend or was she trying to terrorize this man? Oh, I generally think she was like, I mean, she might have been uh, interested because uh, well, there, there's the whole thing with like her in the in the bird store at the beginning yeah. of the movie where she's pretending she works there. But he's like, he he definitely knows that she doesn't. <laughs> I, just, I just wrote down. <laughs> I was like, the absolute lengths this woman is going to to terrorize this man. Because they're like both, I guess, joking. I don't know what they were doing back and forth. That doesn't explain it very well. But she like went to extreme lengths to get him back. Also, she's like an impulsive liar and just an extreme manipulator. Unhinged, yeah. I didn't remember that about this until I rewatched it. Hmm. I was like, oh, damn, she's like the worst kind of person. She sucks. She does suck, actually. Yeah, it was like like 50% of what she told Homeboy was straight lies. <laughs> yeah. But I, too, would like to terrorize men to the point of bringing about the bird poc- apocalypse. Do you... I so... Makes sense. So are you are you are you with the 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 one woman in the diner then? Do you think uh the blonde was the cause of everything? She's evil, I tell you. Oh my god, that was funny, but I don't I don't know because it just ends with nothing. There's... Oh, you mean like the last movie, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. But the setup to this was real weird. Like, I don't, I didn't, all I remember are the birds and, like, people getting murdered. I didn't remember the whole first hour of this movie, them being, like, doing this weird back and forth thing where they're, like, terrorizing each other. And then she goes on, like, buys him birds, but he's not there. And they're, like, he's an hour and a half away. And she's, like, that's totally cool. I'm going to go find him. And then just does. I I was like, this woman sucks. She's she's manipulative. She's a liar. She just says the first thing that comes out of her mind, out of her mouth, to make her like seem like either the victim or an innocent bystander. Like I don't I don't trust a goddamn thing she said throughout the entire movie. <laughs> no, it was weird. And then she just befriends the one lady who's like, yeah, you can stay with me. Who does that? Is that a thing that was happening back in the day? You're just like, yeah, you can stay in my house. And for the, the school teacher, right? Yeah. First of all, the school teacher was definitely hotter than she was. I agree with that. But that, but I also, you know, I, I, I do, I do prefer uh, brunettes over blondes, but I prefer redheads over anything. So there's that. Well, they didn't have that in this for you, so 
Anyway, it did not. I derailed the whole thing. If you just want to go into what you think about it. <laughs> uh, well, r- real quick, Dwayne, we haven't heard from you in a while. And I know you didn't rewatch it, but generally, what are your thoughts about the movie? What's funny is this movie is uh, looms large in my childhood because my mother was terrified of birds, like any birds, like pigeons walking down the street would send her into hysterics. So I was never allowed to watch this, So, I, but I wanted to so badly for that reason. So I remember as a kid watching pieces of this somehow. Whenever it came, oh, come on, I would sneak and watch the birds attack. And it was always like, almost like I was trying to empathize. Wow, why are birds scary? Oh, okay, I, I get it now, Mom. Cool. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Of all three, my memory is the most of the of the hate. I'm very hazy of this movie. Um, in fact, until Ashley mentioned it, I didn't realize there was a whole other hour setup before the attack. I kind of honestly forgot a lot of that. There's like you know, and I'm wondering now, hearing you guys talk. I mean, is there a reading of this where the birds are a symbol? Are they a symbol of like I don't know, rage, lust, I, or is it really happening? That's always the question, right? Is this happening or is it yeah some kind of symbol? And I know you're watching, obviously. <laughs> so. I don't know. I, I, I'm watching Ashley and, and I'm sure myself having like a possible brain aneurysm thinking like, is this real? <laughs> I mean, is it real or is it, you know. That's a good I point. do remember seeing some of, taking a part in some of the, one of the scenes where like there's a, the families in the house that kind of hold up, windows are closed. And one of the characters just sort of was a catatonic, like almost like sort of really having an out-of-body experience as the birds attack. And it's that makes you think, okay, is, is this really happening or is this a manifestation of something mental? You know, is it, is there layers to this? So, um, um I think that was the mother of Mitch, the main right. guy. And so there's a lot of competing themes in this film. And one of them is grief. She had just lost her husband. Mm-hmm. And so like this traumatic thing happening just threw her into like shock. And then they they have this whole scene where, like, they kind of mention it throughout because, like, she's clingy with her son because she just lost her husband. Mm. And, like, she doesn't want girls around him because she feels like, oh, they're going to steal my son or whatever. But then she goes into a whole monologue about her grief. So all of this really could just be a symbolism for the many different themes happening throughout the film. And I love to go back to read the original story. You know, birds based was a Daphne uh, Dumarier. Um, interestingly, this movie was adapted by a crime writer, um, Evan Hunter, who wrote novels under his own name, but wrote more famously as Ed McBain. He wrote a whole long series of police procedurals. So he was one of many Hitchcock's many novelists or you know, you know playwrights that he would that he would tap to adapt these things with him. So, and I know that Evan Hunter wrote a memoir of the, his work with Hitchcock. So I'll go back to that and kind of read that and kind of see what there is some you know, insight into what actually was going on in Hitch's mind and their minds. But to me, it's fascinating. It's a weird, it's a weird pick for Ed, I mean, Ed McBain writing the birds. That kind of blew my mind when I first realized that. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. <clears throat> bizarre. Can I, can I tell you some things that I really did not like about this movie? No, um, you can. The, well, well well, besides the the lead, right, the female lead, um, I don't, I did not need an hour long meet cute of this woman terrorizing homeboy, driving an ungodly distance just to not even see him, to, like to break into his beach house, and like drop off birds, 
Like, yeah. she's even what driving the hell? A boat. Like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? This is not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Know. I don't like terrorizing. I would. I don't know. It depends on how much I hated that person. Like, it it it's a it's a really good way to see just how much you can get away with if if you're a hot white woman. So like, <laughs> because she's like. Oh, where does what? What's what's the character's name? Hold on, let me see this. Um. Uh. Uh. Mitch, right? Yeah, so man, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Mitch, Mitch Brenner. Uh, when she's like asking in Bodega Bay, she's like, "Oh, where does Mitch Brenner live?" I know she's not English, but whatever. Um, <laughs> where does Mitch Brenner live? And, and the the shop guy. Says like, oh, right over there. How do I get there? I'll go down the road. It'll take you to the front door. <laughs> oh, I don't want them to know I'm there. Like that. That's a fucking red flag. And he's like, oh, you can take a boat right up to the dock. And fuck. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna mention the red light. Are you gonna break into their house? And she does. She breaks into the house. Like, the yeah. fuck. The ladies. Different times. Different times different time she's like a true menace yeah but also it's kind of fucked up she like took his like license plate down and then made someone run his place to find where he lived in the city and no one's asking any the person's just like sure i'll do that like it's like she's done this before yeah she's a hot white woman see all this conversation that's supposed to be a negative this makes me want to watch this all the more i'm gonna watch this today i'm fascinated now who is this what's going on like i forgot all of this stuff it's like wow this is kind of cool this is like a little attraction <laughs> something and i it's it was just it was just so i'm like oh my gosh is no one gonna bring up these red flags about this woman uh like and over and over the Mitch catches her in a lie. Like, you don't really know the school teacher. No, I guess I don't. Like, but he's totally cool with it. He's like, oh well, it's, it's totally fine, whatever. Like, I don't I don't need that. I don't care. Like, I I didn't care about this female protagonist. I didn't care about the relationship that she built with the male lead. Um, and because of that, the first hour of this two-hour film, I was like, who the fuck cares? Ah, get to the well, birds. The funny thing is, I'm going to ask you this, Raul. It's your, it's my Psycho does a similar thing. I mean, for the first hour of Psycho, it's an embezzlement noir. Like, it's like, you don't know what's coming at all. It takes a sharp left turn. Is this the same uh, thing with the birds? Does it take a sharp left turn? Or is it more an intensification of what the first hour is? Would you say? Um, I no, I, 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 it's, it's different in Psycho because at no point in that movie, do you, are, are you ever led to believe that oh, this person who just stole a bunch of money is like a good person that you should care about? You're like yeah. the entire, the entire time that she's in the movie, you're like oh, she's a fugitive on the run, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's different because this movie is like taking this person who is a manipulator a liar um and just getting away with everything and and they're the they're 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 the good person you know are they I mean, it sounds the same it's like in one movie it's uh, a thief next movie it's uh you know sort of a yeah i mean sort of this this 
treacherous, lovesick, crazy person. So I don't know. I think it's problematic females is what Hitch is working out here, right? <laughs> I mean, Dane maybe. Nicole. How is his how is his marriage like? Was his marriage a good one? Uh it's funny is Alma, his wife, was his closest confidant as far as creatively. Um he at one point let it slip that they really didn't have much of a physical relationship after many, many, you know, quite a few. But he ran everything by Alma, like everything, scripts, ideas, like unless she gave her blessing, it wasn't being made. So they were tight. That's really cool, man. That 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 sounds like a very healthy relationship. That's freaking rad. Relationship goals. I'm not gonna talk Does about it? marriage on this podcast. Okay. Okay, no is that no fly zone? We don't talk about marriage here. Well, I mean, back to my rant, like the whole, the whole, I didn't care about her. I didn't care about the relationship and I didn't care about mm-hmm. the first hour of the movie. So like <laughs> it was because that's all, that's all it is. That's- also, the little girl was racist too. She's just like, oh, they're hoods. And I'm like, damn, bitch. Wow. There was what, 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 the hot- Sorry. No, I was just saying there were some problematic some problematic dialogue. Yeah. For this time period. Yeah. Compa- what about the hot bird action? You know, was that satisfying? At least it's been a while. I remember it being really terrifying and creepy and bloody with the claws in the face and everything else. It seems disturbing. So I texted a friend last night because I was watching it and I was like, I'm watching this in 4K and it really takes you out of it because the birds look terrible. Really? Oh, that's a bummer. Don't watch it in 4K. Wow. Okay. The birds. My memory is like watching it on like UHF on like my, you know, the antenna TV. Like, and it was named cable. It was like, I saw, you know, it looked pretty scary in that version. I can imagine that it would look scary not in 4K. But the, like, the effects were cool. Like, the guy who had his eyes pecked out. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that that part was really cool. Honestly, I, so I didn't watch it in 4K. I don't think I rented the 4K one. I rented it on Amazon. Uh, it was HD. I don't think it was like 4K. But mm-hmm. and yeah, you could see like that that transition of like the blue screen, uh, superimposement of the birds mm-hmm. on on the film and whatnot. And yeah, there was some stuff that pro- I'm sure looked good at the time, but it doesn't hold up to modern day graphics and special effects and stuff like that. But honestly, I, I can forgive movies for that. I, I really can. Um, and it didn't take me out of it. It made me appreciate what they did with what they worked with, what they had to work with at the time. Um, mm. So like a lot of the mass like flockings and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, it didn't look the best, but I, I was here for it. I still enjoyed it. Um, but there was still a lot of usage of like practical birds, like seagulls actually pecking people and like, yeah, like that was really cool. I I really appreciated that. So yeah, like when it, when, when this movie went hard, it went hard. There's that scene where like just a bunch of sparrows flood out of the chimney. Um, and I was like, Oh damn. Oh, they're inside. They're going to get you. So (laughs) that was a cool scene where they all flocked into the house. And what I thought was funny about yeah. that, they completely destroyed the house. And the lady, I guess, was in so much shock. She just, like, hung up her little teacups again, even though they were all broken. Because she uh, was like, I just need this consistency back in my life. That was a oh. good touch. Yeah. 
But I don't understand them accepting this woman into their household. Hmm. Oh, especially the mom. <laughs> it's like, why are you here? I don't really know you. This is weird. Get out of my house. But that's not what happened. They just welcomed her in with open arms and let her like form a relationship with this little girl. Like if someone walked up to my house and was like, all of this scenario was happening, I'm not letting them meet Caroline. <laughs> yeah. No. So you're saying weird. if someone broke, so if someone broke into your house without <laughs> you knowing and left a present for your, you know young child you wouldn't be like oh come stay for dinner like are you saying that's a red flag that's a red flag what's your problem yeah. actually it's not normal to me i mean well, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> it's like here come meet my child form a yeah. relationship with her wow it's fucking weird i don't know i'd be like uh you you need to get the fuck out right now before i call the cops if i'm just i don't know if people knock on my door, I just run to my room and I'm like, oh my God, why? Why are they knocking on my door? I do not answer my door. So that would be like one thing. Mm-hmm. If, if someone broke into my house and I was there, I would strip naked, grab the nearest machete. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, it's, it's go time, baby. One of us is dying. But if it's going to be me, I'm coming out the way I came in, which is naked and covered in blood. Note to self, do not break into her holes. <laughs> like, I grew up with a dad who would very much just shoot the fuck out of you if you came in our house. Mm-hmm. But I don't do... Am I setting myself up to be robbed right now? I don't do guns. Like, I don't like guns. I don't like any of that. So, I'm just basically helpless in my home. No, no, you Listeners, have that, that is that you mentioned to me before that that killer laser thing. If someone tries to intrude, they're incinerated. You've talked about it often, actually. So, oh yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, I'll do yeah. that. There we go. Also, that was a that was a total lie. Ashley has lots of guns in her house. If you try to break in, <laughs> she will shoot your dick off. And... Lots of guns. Exactly. Lots of really big, scary dogs. Trap doors too. I've heard trap doors. Mm, full of tarantulas. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. I do have a lot of brown recluse spiders here, but I don't claim them. I should. No, that, that's also a lie. She has trained them to mobilize at her command, <laughs> and she will sick her armies of brown recluse spiders on you. They are the brown berets, and she will. They will fuck you up. They will. <laughs> the brown you know, way. speaking of speaking oh. of spiders, uh, Dom and I decided that we're going to buy a tarantula. It's going to be a, a green bottle blue, and we're so excited. Hopefully, we can get her next week. Man, we're that's, awesome. that's cool. I yeah. hate that idea. Love it. Yeah, Morgan's not thrilled about it either. You two need to stop being the Growing. same. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> being ganged up on. Uh, so yeah uh, I I guess back to the movie in my opinion the only saving grace is the action of the bird attacking even the girl besides her like problematic uh, you know mentioning of other people that are not in her class you know by referring to them as as uh, hoods and hoodlums or whatever the hell um, uh, 
she's also a dumbass because she's like, she still wants to keep the lovebirds with her at all times. And I'm like, bitch, the birds, the birds are the problem. <laughs> Seriously. Or, or maybe I'm wrong because the, the lovebirds never, ne- never were, were crazy. They were never like pecking at the cage. I'm thinking about this now. They were never uh-huh. pecking at the cage, going crazy, trying to get out or attack anyone. They always just kind of sat there. Huh. I wonder what sort of symbolism that means. Listeners, if you know, please reach yeah. out. See, I'm, I'm, I'm on English major mode now. I'm thinking, okay, what's the symbols here? What's going on? I need to watch this thing after many years of not. So this is well, I mean, if, if, if when you watch it, if you can figure, if you can tell me like what, what <laughs> the, the significance of the birds not doing a damn thing, uh, the, the caged birds, you know, the, the birds that are caged, yeah. Why are they docile? Hmm. Definitely. A, that's that's just big, big symbol right there, right? That has to be. That has to be something, some message that we can easily decipher. Maybe. <laughs> no. I mean, just birds in a cage actually shaking your head now. There's, no. there's there. No, there. I, don't, I don't know. I don't. My brain hurts. Don't make me think about it. Ashley, what a, what a, what about that old bitch in the uh, in the restaurant when she's like, "I've never seen birds." I know she's not like a crazy crone, but I'm gonna. I've never seen birds of different species flock together. It's unheard of, you know. Yeah. Like, was she supposed to be some so- sort of like scientist? I was confused. I think hmm. she's supposed to represent the 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 the, the like word of reason. Uh, I mean, hell, she knew like the scientific, uh, like the genus and family of freaking crows. So, I mean, she has to have some sort of scientific knowledge, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, didn't, I was like, is this like an ecologist or something they're trying to bring in? But then they didn't really use her anymore after that scene. So. Yeah. But also she was super they, they wrong. To, like fix the problem. But well, she's I don't know anything about birds. I just know that they're outside my window at like five in the morning getting on my fucking nerves because they're waking me up. That's all I know about birds. Punk ass birds. Yeah. I will say that a quick search um, reveals that the birds is supposed to be a political allegory about the psychological violence of capitalism (laughs) and the fear mongering of the Cold War. Okay. And the lovebirds are a symbol of the blossoming love between Melanie and Mitch and the sexual tension between the two. So it's always symbolism. So that's a symbol. Okay, well, that explains why I didn't give a shit about the birds either, then. (laughs) Right. I love that they have a blossoming relationship. That's going to be a terrible ending to that relationship. That relationship blossomed from lies. Don't they all? Also, also, she just like trapped herself in like an upstairs bedroom. She's getting flocked to death, pecked to death. She can't find a goddamn doorknob. She can't turn. She didn't even turn around. <laughs> we all create our own prisons as That's human true. beings. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that this this is an allegory for whatever the fuck Dwayne said. (laughs) (laughs) That's like when I said Bud the Chud is an allegory for the the, the Vietnam War. 
Well, it's funny when you guys are talking. I thought, wait a minute. It mentioned all different flocks of type of birds flocking together. And I'm like, is this like a pre '60s, you know, almost like pre hippie nervousness about like the squares all shit? The hippies are gonna lift their free love and their drugs. I don't know, is that a, a '60s thing? Or and I thought, no, it's Cold War. It's something else. Oh no, I'm always looking for the uh, the the under the undertext. But that's just me being an English major that I am. I mean. I know, right? There, there might be undertext that I'm not understanding, but I was so frustrated about other things that I, I it was just flying over my radar. It, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have cared less. Did you guys know there's a sequel, an official sequel called The Birds Two, Lands End, worst <laughs> clothing tie-in ever, by the way. I'm not sure why Lands End agreed to this. It's clearly called, it's called The Birds Two, Lands End. It was on Showtime in 1994. Directed by Rick Rosenthal, who also directed Halloween 2. Yeah. But he disavowed himself in this movie, and it's credit to Alan Smithy, which is my my director's pen name. Uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, The Birds <laughs> 2. Came out in Showtime 94. So I, I didn't even heard of this until this I popped up. I've never heard of that, and it sounds terrible. A bird sequel came out in the 90s? I have to watch this immediately. And uh, I believe uh, Tippi Hedren makes a cameo. As someone else, <laughs> I think so. not, yeah, a different different character named Helen, not Melanie. She's a different character in this movie, which is weird. Okay, thank God Hitch was gone by the time this came out. He was long gone, so I doubt he'd be happy about it. Whereas Psycho Two was awesome, but Birds Two, I'm not sure about that one. I do like the Psycho sequels. They are pretty great. Maybe that's a franchise we could do. Ooh. Yeah, I want to do it as a franchise, so we'll have to wait. Including the base yeah. motel, would you guys graph that on there? I love that show. Oh, same Z's. My daughter loved that show, yeah. It was awesome. We'd we'd have to do like one episode. Like one episode per season. It'd have to be like yeah, like a th- like a three episode, th- three seasons, four seasons. How many seasons are there in that show? I don't know. I don't know. I want podcast is already long enough. We can't. We cannot handle. Yeah, we can. Ashley, we can handle anything <laughs> except this movie. So, what do you think? About- <laughs> Rate and recommend. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So rate, rating and recommendations of the birds. Um, ah, you know, I was really hoping to like this. I I was I, I was I was stoked to finally watch it. Um I've seen so many spoofs about it and and whatever. And then and then and then and then I watched it, and then the movie happened, and I was like, "Oh man, the bird attacking is really freaking cool!" And everything like if I could have like a fifteen minute cut of just birds attacking, <laughs> that that'd be rad. That'd be freaking dope. I would I'd give that a ten out of ten. But unfortunately, the rest of the movie is like stuck to this. So I'm gonna give it a, a four point five out of ten, and I'm gonna say uh, rent. That is so low. I so mean, it did not pique your interest? No. Get it? Beak? Where's my dad tip jar? Beak your interest? Come on. Oh, I didn't I didn't even yeah. hear that. <laughs> yeah. Four point five out of ten. I did. I'm like 
Four four point five out of ten racist little girls, and I'm gonna say rent. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's not great, but people are like anytime you see like black birds in a group, people are just like terrified of that because of this movie. And I rewatching it, I don't understand that. But maybe because I'm like, I've already been exposed to some of the worst fucking horror films in the world that this is just like, oh, it's just birds. Mostly because of you and your and the things you've made me watch. But yeah. I'm not sorry. <laughs> anyway. 4.5. Well, uh, 4, 4. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll say that Pastor Matt gave this an 8.5 out of 10. Whoa. But I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. Dead men with pecked out eyeballs. <laughs> and I'm still going to say buy it because I own all of his filmography. It's the only move. Yeah. You got to own Hitch. <laughs> You know, the the funny thing is I I will buy this. I, I will buy it one day so I can say I have, you know, Alfred Hitchcock movies because mm-hmm. I'm that I'm that dude. I'm that kind of guy, you know. But when I buy it, I don't know if I'll watch it again. I don't know if I can I take think, that first hour again. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. I think I think the day I buy it, I'm gonna go on YouTube and try and find like a supercut of just <laughs> all the bird attack scenes and be content. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what's actually vastly entertaining? Have you guys ever seen the little black and white preview that Hitchcock did for this movie? Like he's like puttering around his house trying to tease up interest in the birds. Uh, have you seen this? It's on YouTube. Like it just cracks me up. He like you know, yeah. It's he's like part of the special features for one of the ones I own. Yeah. He was a great showman that way. He would, you he know. Was. So it's worth yeah, checking out. You may enjoy it more than the movie itself. That's the teaser. Oh, that, I yeah, like, I probably would. I would have liked this better if it was black and white. Really? I oh. think I say that about everything, though. I think I would have liked Rope better if it was black and white. 10 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> You know, I'm going to change mine to 4.5 out of 10 children being attacked in a schoolyard. Because oh that definitely God. seems more my style. I forgot. I wrote in my notes that I was like, Roll's going to love this scene because they're all getting like pecked to death in the schoolyard. Yeah, that was rad. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't I'm like, that. yeah, fuck up them kids. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne, uh, do you feel comfortable giving us a rating for this one? I don't. I want to put a pin in this one because I need to watch it like later today and really weigh in uh, afterward. Because I just, yeah, it sounds intriguing to me. Um, whenever someone starts, you know, putting all the flaws in a movie, I'm like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> it sounds like my thing. So, it's like, all right, all I'm gonna. Sure, I love that. that. I'm gonna put you down as TBD right now. Yeah. And yes, uh, if if you watch it before I get the uh, episode out, let me know what your what your rating would be. I will. I will. 
But I say buy it anyway because you, know, you need to buy all of Hitchcock stuff. That's just essential. You need to get just a shelf full of cock, baby. Exactly. Shelf full of cock. That might be the episode title. Hold on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. A flock of cock. No. A flock of cock. <laughs> double, double the money in the jar. <laughs> sorry i just Uh, i just saw okay i just in my mind took every flocking scene every swarming scene in the movie and just replaced them with like dicks with wings That's a free porn idea, folks out there. In case you want to make, you know, birds three, dicks three, flock of cock. It's it's funny that uh, the stuff they drop stays the same color as regular birds. Jeez! Wow! More. No more. You're in timeout. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm so and sorry, Ashley. Really great into the next movie. Don't kind of rapey ass movie. Yes. So how, how do you do that? I've never laugh this hard. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm seeing. I'm seeing that, that same scene too. Like, yeah, flying dicks, you know, all around. Like, like, you know, a, a schoolyard. It's like, what the what? Wrong, wrong. Go away. Yeah. Not, very. I know. That, that scene will have to be modified. In the in when they go back to the schoolyard and all those blackbirds are there, it's just a bunch of big black cocks. Deceased. Stop. We have gone too far officially. We have gone. Yes. <laughs> Um. Uh. Oh, Ashley, will you get us back on track with the synopsis? No. Yeah, no, no. Dwayne, I, okay, I am great. all over the place. Dwayne, will you I get us back on track with, with the synopsis? Okay. So for third and final film of this flock of Hitchcock, we have uh, Frenzy from 1972. Um, I'm going to read from the Hitchcock wiki, the synopsis, because it does a much better job than I would have. After the brutal murder of his ex-wife, down on his luck, former RAF pilot Richard Blaney is suspected of being the, quote, necktie murderer, a vicious serial killer terrorizing London. With the help of his friends, Blaney goes on the run, determined to prove his innocence. And that's what this movie is. You know, it's, it's me. It's like it's one of Hitchcock's favorite themes. It's the man accused of a crime on the run. He does this all the time. This is like his thing. Although in this version, it's very different from previous Hitchcocks um, and in a lot of weird ways. So you know, my, I approached this actually, I thought the assignment was, and forgive me, I may have made this assignment up. I actually bought the book that it was based on uh, Frenzy by author, Arthur LeBurn. Um, it's a you know crime novel from 1966 that Hitch, you know, he fascinated. He was always trolling, you know, publishers for like books to adapt. And what he would do is he found like something he liked in it. You know, he would go off and adapt it, hire someone else to adapt it, usually, and push the novel to the side. 
And I think what, you know, I read that what Hitchcock loved about this movie was, quote, the market scenes, oddly enough, um, and the idea of an Air Force man who's a loser. And the quote from Hitchcock was, today is the day of the non-hero, isn't it? So you like that sort of, you like being modern and hip by having an anti or a non-hero in Blaney. So that's why, that's how I approached it. The book to film kind of thing and seeing how it differed or, or whatnot. But what did you guys think? Are you mad at me for making you watch this one? Well, I'm not. I loved it. This was my favorite one of the block I today. I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so rapey. You oh, know I yeah. don't I don't like that and there was not <clears throat> like if you're going to have rape in a movie, I want uh I want it to end in a way that the victims get their justice. And it just ends abruptly yeah. again. Uh, so wasn't a fan of this film. Anything about it? Did you appeal to you? Appeal to you? I mean, besides, I mean, the rape sub is disturbing and just like, what the hell were they thinking? But any else uh, jump I out at you? I do not like the aesthetic of 70s films for the most part. So it was so 70s. Also, oh, yeah. which I didn't like. I don't know if there's anything I did like about this. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I do like the 70s aesthetic. And I think you're, you're right. If you don't like the 70s look, this is not for you. It's a big difference. Like, I mean, it opens up with, like, this is Hitchcock's triumphant return to London. He's, like, literally flying himself over the River Thames, you know. Here I am, a majestic score. The score is weird, right? It was, like, almost like a triumphant war film versus a suspense movie. Um, but then you have that classic, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, opening set piece, where there's a body on the river, there's people, the health minister talking about public safety and what's that? <laughs> yeah. there? You know, so it's kind of cool. That was a perfect, okay, I'll, I will say the opening was good. Okay. And went downhill from there for you, obviously. Yes. I was just thinking, what the hell is this man gotten me into right now because I have not seen this before and then I think I even texted you about this I was like what is this yeah. lady like feeding her husband what is this oh. like I think he was trying to balance the humor maybe again that's great point because you know what that's not in the book at all that's a Hitchcock invention that's Hitchcock's sense of humor yeah. totally um and in the book, it's just Oxford, the normal cop, you know, yeah, I think he, and the wife's mentioned a bit, but like the whole idea of her being an exotic gourmet cook, that was like, at first I'm like, what the hell is this? And I remember, no, this is Hitchcock wanted to do a comedy. This is a comedy to Hitchcock, I believe. He really wanted to be funny. And in part, like, it was, it's a weird, weird thing. And here's, I'll walk you through this briefly. It's like, to me, he wanted to do a return to London and a return to older London. Like he hadn't filmed anything in, in his hometown for decades, like he was in America making movies. So he wanted to have, it's a bit of nostalgia and the dialogue is very old timey and weird at times. And this sort of gourmet cooking thing, it's just all like very weird and British. Yet at the same time, it's a very modern Hitchcock. It's like, we got nudity, we got, you know, more gore, it's R rated. You know, it, it feels like almost like at first was a giallo. It's like, what is, wow. And it's not because we know who's doing it. But it's like, wow, this is like, is Hitchcock watching a lot of these things that I got to compete now with the young Italian boys and make something that, you know, is feels like a giallo, but it wasn't that. So it's a weird mix. I agree with you. It's a weird mix of tones 
it's very funny at times and very like, what the hell am I watching? This is beyond the yeah. veil. And I would just like to say uh, that the bodies after being killed were scientifically inaccurate. Oh, how so? They're not going to be able to be staged in that way. Interesting. Okay. But I mean, that's not really the point. I was just watching it. I'm like, that body can't do that after death. So. What do you, what, what scene are you thinking of? Which, which body are you thinking of? He did this thing where like almost all the women's tongues were like hanging out in a way that yeah. you can only form your tongue that way if you are able to control the motion of or the muscles in your tongue. A good I point. Was just like, mm. Yeah. I've seen enough cadavers in my life. Okay. We have a cadaver lab. Oh, okay. Jeez. That's why. Okay, I'm not going out like searching for bodies or whatever. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely all the victims that your brown recluse army brings you. Oh, exactly. yeah. I know exactly. specifically. So this is why you don't break into my house, okay? The pile of, of uh, corpses out back, like like stuff like cordwood back there. You have all kinds of dead yeah. men. Yeah. Yes. The funny thing is, only Ashley ever sees them. They are never <laughs> seen by anyone else again. <laughs> no, I, I take uh, them to our labs. That's how we stock our labs. Yeah, that's cool. I knew it. That's excellent. Bro, <laughs> um, oh, what, so what, what did you what did you like about it? I'm curious. Um, it was kind of like what you were saying. I mean, like it, 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 it started out kind of like a giallo type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the body washed up on shore, you get the introduction or like you're, you're kind of thrown into an existing investigation. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not guided through the plot. You know, Hitchcock isn't kind of holding your hand right here. Um, oh. it's, um, uh, I, I do like the, the police procedural aspect. I love it being intercut with like the the wife who, who is making this really, really extravagant dishes. And first of all, like that, like seafood thing. I Ooh. love seafood. <laughs> like I absolutely love seafood. So that soup, I was like, oh, man, that looks so good. <laughs> I wanted to puke. <laughs> and then and then the pig feet. I don't know if y'all have had pig feet. I've had pig feet, and it's delicious. Nice. Okay. See. And then when she said it. She said that she she boiled them in the same brine as like the previous soup. I was like, wait, like fishy pig's feet? Hell's yeah! I'm one hundred percent down. <laughs> <laughs> and the, oh, but but you know what? Also, she kind of knew what she was doing because when she's talking about intuition and she, I told you, couldn't have been that young man. I know she's not British, but well, I know she's she is British. Hold on. Yeah, I was about to say, no, this time you're right. She's you're okay, 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 I'm totally right then. I know it couldn't have been that young man. I use all woman's intuition. And the guy's like, well, what is your intuition telling you I want for dinner? Steak and potatoes. But instead, you're having pig's feet. It's so, it's so damn funny. Oh, my God. Gosh, <laughs> my favorite part of that interaction or one of those interactions is like when the husband is describing the how you have to pull apart the fingers because the rigor mortis is set in, you have to crack the fingers open, right? And then the uh -huh. wife serves breadsticks, cracks the breadsticks. <laughs> it's like, yes, get on, but it's like it's just this macabre, weird, like food and violence humor going on there that I really did appreciate. 
Um, also, watching that other detective try a margarita for the first time, like he was gonna vomit. I was yeah. like, "You son of a bitch!" That word, that worm had a name. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking um, oh, cool, margaritas. I love margaritas. So I was like, "Oh, this is cool. It must be great." I guess back in the 1972, it was a little more exotic in, in London. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, maybe I don't. I honestly don't know. But I just thought that was stupid funny. Plus, the way she pronounced Tukwila. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is this where they got the idea for microwave massacre from? I was thinking the same thing, Ashley. I was like, this this wow. this is just the wife from Microwave Massacre. That's cool. That stuff made me so sick. <coughs> I will eat seafood to a point. Like I'll eat crab legs or anything mm. like crab related. Or I will eat sometimes shrimp. But it just depends on what it looks like when it gets in front of me. Okay. Man, maybe later today I might just go to the store, buy me a whole tilapia, and fry that bitch up. I don't do fish. Or some pig's feet in that nice seafood brine. So pickled oh, that... pig's feet is a very southern dish. Yeah, I've heard. And that is something I grew up seeing my like grandfather eat, and I don't ever want to think about it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never had pickled pig's pig's feet. I've had boiled pig's feet, um, and Why would it, you it do is that to a baby pig. Why would you? Because they're delicious, Ashley. The same reason you do that to their mom and to their dad and to their cow friends and their sheep friends. They are delicious. <laughs> it makes me sad. It makes me hungry. I was at this event I had to speak at, and so they were, like, showcasing... This is an ADH side tour, sorry. They were showcasing some local farmers. So we had people who were doing, like, some vegan stuff. And then we had people who, like, had animals, and they did meats. And one of them was, like, veal meatballs. And she was, like, trying to justify to me... I didn't argue with her or anything. I was just letting her speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's like... We have the babies and we like keep the babies with their mom. And so it's like really ethic, ethical. And I'm like, but in the end, you're killing a baby cow or what, whatever she was making. It was cows this time to, yeah. to, to make these meatballs that you're trying to make me eat. It's like, it just makes me sad. I don't care if they're <laughs> kept with their mom, which makes me sadder for some reason. See, I'm kind of the other way around. If you're trying to justify it to me, I, all I have to do is taste it. And if it tastes good, that is justified. Like, <laughs> well, I, I'd go for more of the uh, other argument where I'd be like, you know, it, 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 sure, it was a baby cow, but they were really seriously an asshole. Like, it was rude. They were, uh, you know, they were just like, they were just, they're a bad kid. So they deserve to die. This, this <laughs> cow kept talking back to its teacher. It kept sending yeah, nudes right? to the other cows. Just like setting things on fire, it was just like just an unruly, unruly baby cow who deserved okay. what. Cow, 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 so cow. now you're in the kid killing. Um. <laughs> I'm not saying how I justify. I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying if I had to justify it, I wouldn't do the whole like you know the heartfelt angle. That seems you're right. It seems worse. Oh, I had some quality time with mom before we slaughtered her. It's like uh, what you know, but like that felt really bad. Yeah, you got to make it seem like the cow deserved to die. Yeah, like the cow's it. an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Utterly. About this film. Oh, back oh to yes. Film? Yeah, sorry. So like, <laughs> sorry. um, 
the I, I love the police procedural aspect of it and whatnot. Like that was that was really cool. Um, this uh, this one had me looking at the clock the least. Oh, good. Um, by the time and it's it's also pretty long. It's like an hour and fifty four minutes. It's like yeah. just shy of two hours. Um, but I was on board the entire time. By the time. Let's see. By the, by the time we got to like the potato truck scene, right? That's like an hour into the movie, and I was like, "Holy crap! This thing's flying by." Yeah, <clears throat> it was differently. Yes, much. I mean, the, and also the, the set pieces. With, with, with the difference between book to film is that what's kind of a throwaway scene or line in the book. Hitchcock teases out something really cool, like. When one of the characters, the secretary discovers the wife's body, you know, you don't go up and follow her. Like in the book, it's like, goes upstairs, looks behind the partition. Oh my God. Oh, it's a dead body. Oh, that's fine. Serviceable. What Hitchcock does, remember that has like, she enters the, 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 the staircase. We just stay up on ground level and wait. We know it's coming because we know she's dead. <laughs> we know she's going to find her at some point. It's excruciating. It's a long ass wait. It's like couples walk by. It's like time passes. I grow gray be- a gray beard. And then it's like, ah, it's kind of wonderful yeah. like how he teases that out. Um, and at the same time, Hitchcock has a huge, huge courtroom scene in the book that Hitchcock does away with in like 30 seconds. Remember that whole scene of the, the bailiff opens up the door just to hear guilty or whatever that, you know, and it's like the door closes. Like he just skips the entire boring ass legal stuff, which I love. He cuts that right out. So... That to me, I, I, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. How what, what, a, what a director or a screenwriter will choose to adapt or not adapt or ch- take and not you know not take. Uh, that stuff was it was kind of fun reading the book and then watching the movie again. That was pretty neat. Yeah, that was that was awesome, man. I freaking loved that. Um, Ashley, I, I know you got a lot. Sorry, go ahead. It's just you went above and beyond what you should have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have watched Rope and the Birds is what I should have done. I didn't realize <laughs> so I messed that up. But <laughs> that's that's my fault. Nah, no, this, this was all fun. Um, no, it's it's. Um, I'm also. I must admit, I'm, I'm obsessed with Hitchcock's relationship with with writers because they're wildly different. And Frenzy actually he had the best um, collaboration. It was with Anthony Schaefer, who was famous for his play the Sleuth. Which was turned to a movie later, you know, and um, they had a great relationship. The one thing that Schaefer mentioned at one point was that every day they meet on at Hitchcock's uh, bungalow in the Universal lot, and they had the same thing for lunch a small steak and a salad. That was Hitchcock's thing. And one day, very politely, Schaefer said, Hey, maybe, hey, Alfred, should we mix it up tomorrow for lunch and try something different? It's just nodded. The next day, um, Chasen's, the local fancy restaurant, brought a 19 course meal for Schaefer. And Hitch had his little steak and salad. <laughs> Saying, oh, you want a variety? Here's your fucking variety. <laughs> just, Hitch was very playful that way with his writers sometimes. Or he was fucking with them. I'm not sure which it was, but I kind of love that. That is That's the second that... time I've heard that story from someone. See, it's cool. I mean, that's freaking rad, man. That that He right. sounds like a dude that knows how to have a good time. He sure does. Oh, and they also... They would drink all afternoon. I mean, they would just drink their faces off. I mean, I think morning, <laughs> a couple hours, then it was lunchtime, and then cocktails until 
they poured themselves in their cars and were driven home. I hope they were driven home. But uh, yeah, that was like their work day was, which sounds great to me, by the way. <laughs> work in the morning a little bit, have a nice steak lunch, and then get shit-faced. Um, <laughs> Considering cool. the times, I doubt they were driven home. <laughs> I don't know. The long drive from Universal to uh, Hitchcock's place in Bel Air. I mean, that's treacherous. I think Hitch was driven. I hope so. God help yeah, me. We're back then. Yeah, that is true. He might be sober by the time he gets home. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to assume the best. Yeah, why, why not? Why not? Yeah. We, all, we all know what assuming does. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, uh, I think it's actually, I thought it was a fairly, you know, effective, like, man on the run piece. I, I, I did think it works that level, like, because there's a lot of interplay between Rusk and, you know, and Blaney. It just, I don't know, it was really, I thought, interesting, you know. Um, and the ending, I know you guys thought it was abrupt, but I kind of, it reminded me of the ending of the taking of Pelham one, two, three was like, almost like the cop, the last second, gotcha. That kind of moment, which I kind of, the book doesn't have that, by the way. The book only has Blaney goes to that room, finds a dead woman, and it's like, oh, no. And that's, that's the end. Like, there's no happy ending. There's no justice. At least, at least Frenzy, the film version, gave us that the cops, you know, justice prevails. I, I, did, I did really like how, how the, the arresting officer was yeah. like so taken aback by, um, you know, the one guy and what he kept yelling and screaming when, while he was getting arrested, he was like, Oh, maybe I should look into this. Like it made him second guess himself. And I really yeah. like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I think, you know, it was, um, it, it was, it's, it's, it's latter day Hitchcock. I don't think it's one of his best, you know, but there's a lot of fans of it out there. People do love this, this, you know, penultimate gasp from the master. Um, yeah, I read well, that I it's, think his it's last next to the last film he made. Is that it is family plot followed after with um, Bruce Dern and that, that that I haven't seen. I need to see that at some point because that sounds cool. I just saw that guy at the Jamboree. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was there, wasn't he? That's amazing. Bruce Dern yeah. in the flesh. He was cool. He's one of the coolest actors going. Yeah. Um, it's funny that the, the title Frenzy was actually a holdover. I don't think that the title matches the film because it's pretty like not, it's not a frenzy, frenzied pace, right? I don't know. The murder is not like, I'm going to kill five people this afternoon and then have lunch. I mean, he's like, he's not crazy that way. He's yeah. very calculating, right? Yeah. The title is actually a holdover. And previous to this, they were um, Hitchcock and a different writer working on a, a plot for a different movie called uh, Kaleidoscope. They also called it Frenzy for a while. Um, and for a brief moment, this movie was frenzy was almost called necktie, which is intriguing. That's a cool title. I don't know. It's very Hitchcocky. Necktie. Frenzy sexier, but necktie yeah. is a little more on point. I mean, it just seems obvious. Yeah. Or, I about the spud, you know, the potato, potato truck scene spuds are a big factor in this. <laughs> spud. Stop it! <laughs> I love. Y yes, I, 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 I like that. <laughs> uh, what else can I tell you about? Oh, um, other differences. Um, and the novel opens in the bar, not with the whole River Thames scene, which is kind of interesting. Um, the, the character, and I mentioned this the, in, in the book, is Blaney versus Blaney. 
I mean, blamey feels a little on the nose for a guy who's accused of something, right? Like, hey, I'm so blamey. I mean, it's just weird, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, we got rid of the court scene. The exotic gourmet stuff was all from Hitchcock, and you mentioned the ending. The it's, well, by the way, Arthur Laverne, the author of the novel, hated this movie. <laughs> he he told the uh, London Times, "quote The result on the screen is appalling." I would like to ask Mr. Hitchcock and Mr. Schaefer what happened between book and script to the authentic London characters I created. He was not a fan. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. A little bit of Stephen King, the shiny, shining, the shiny, wow. The shining type of relationship there. Yeah. And in fact, what's funny is Laburn um, kind of got burned, so to speak, because he, um, he sold the rights for 25 grand, not realizing it was Hitchcock buying them. Um, he says, if I know it was Hitchcock, I'll ask for 35 grand. Mm. Uh, so real quick, I wanted to mention that the, uh, the, the, that the killer, uh, who we mm-hmm. can say was uncle Bob the whole time, Bob's <laughs> your uncle, which by the way, is how I, uh, is how I finish all of my assessment videos for school. I have oh. to like, I'm currently going through like this electrical part of my trade schooling and mm-hmm. I have to like create a video whenever I do something explaining what I did, how I did it and why I did it that way. Um, And then I have to like in the video, I have to, you know, show what I did working the way it was intended to work. And every time I flip the on switch and I show that it's working, I always say, Bob's your uncle. And that's how (laughs) I end all my videos. (laughs) I don't know why, but anyway, it's a flourish. I like that. It is. Um, So, uh, Bob, right? I, we only see him kill the one, and I'm and I'm pretty sure because it, it uh, the only other times we see him kill or that he kills on in the movie, um, yeah. you know, he leads a woman and then she's dead, or he's just with a corpse. So we only see him kill once, and I'm pretty sure that's the scene that Ashley absolutely hated. Right, um, disturbing. But that that is a very disturbing scene, especially the aftermath. It is full screen shoulder to shoulder to the crown of the head, looking directly at the camera, looking directly at the viewer. Like if you are looking at her, you are, you are now in the perspective of uncle Bob looking at her down. And she is, it is haunting. It is a very haunting image, but I will say he didn't seem very calculating to me. He just kind of seemed like, an opportunistic individual like, Oh shit. Yeah. Someone saw this guy after I killed, yeah. after I killed the woman. That's yeah. great. That seems really cool. Let me, I wonder how else I can make it look like he's doing, like he's responsible for this. You know, he, it didn't seem like he had a plan when he killed the one woman. It, it felt more like he just lost control of himself rather than it was something he planned on, you know? Right. And what's the whole um, thing about lovely, lovely about the whole, like, where is he mentally? The whole lovely, lovely. That was the most disturbing part of that to me. Like, I don't know. Wrong. That was, it seemed it's, it was very, yeah, it was hard to watch, man. You know? Oh yeah. Um, because it, it definitely felt like you were watching and there was like tension on that actress's throat. Like you could see the yeah. skin turning red, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was it was hard to watch. It felt like you were watching something you shouldn't have been watching. That's the thing. It's the weird thing, right? Those scenes juxtaposed with like the goofy gourmet cooking scenes and like the old tiny <laughs> dots. Like what? What is this? Is a weird mix of things. Like this is so modern and shocking, yet yeah, it's almost like a throwback to the '30s <laughs> in some ways. It's pretty bizarre. Yeah. 
Oh, and then when he took the bag from from his friend, because he's going to give him refuge in his apartment or whatever, you know, he didn't have a plan. He just took the bag and, oh, he's yeah. going to discard some of the dead woman's clothes into his bag. And that's how he knew, oh, it was Uncle Bob the whole time, you know? Yeah. Not the smartest killer, but, you know, so maybe it is an impulse killing. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah, no, that's good observations. Like that. Well, um, I, I I don't really have anything else to say if we're ready to wrap this one up and give ratings and, re- and recommendations. Yeah. All right, Dwayne, since you picked this movie, you go ahead and give us the first rating. Well, um, and I guess I'm doing it in terms of po- boiled pig's feet. I would give it I would give it like six and a half boiled pig's feet. <laughs> Maybe seven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna jot you down for seven out of ten, then. Yeah. Pig's feet, and I assume, I assume it's still a buy, right? Oh yeah, I mean, even that's a buy. Yeah, definitely a buy. It's part of a box that I have, so definitely a buy. Awesome. And Ashley, what do you give this movie? Uh. I'm going to go with 6 out of 10. I'm doing the food thing too. Woman feeding her husband weird food. (laughs) And I own it because it's in a box set. But tread carefully if you're sensitive to rape scenes. So would you say maybe uh, rent stream? Granted, I don't, I, I'm not calling it an avoid, but I'm just not say it's like not going to be for everybody. Maybe an apprehensive rental. Yeah, go with that. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, never mind. I'm going to put you down as an apprehensive rental. Do it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be on the other side of that fence from you, Ashley. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10 corpses stuffed into a potato sack. (laughs) Uh, Nice. I'm going to give this one a resounding buy. This one, it, it, oh my goodness. Like, I... I I loved the movie that that rape and murder scene really hard to watch. Like I didn't take pleasure in that, you know, for the mm-hmm. record. But it it definitely adds to not your to, favorite way like, to use the tie during. Yeah. No, I I no, I'd rather use it as like a like a little. Uh, uh, my oh, gosh, uh, blindfold. I think I think blindfolds are freaking sexy, dog. You know, you know. <laughs> anyway. I'm getting into a little bit too much of personal. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Next week on Flock of Cocks, we'll discuss. Now you're going to get the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I can only hope. I'll send them your way next time. Well, um, I can see, I can see movies like this influencing, um, like a uh, certain like having an influence on on giallos on uh slashers early slashers in the 80s um 
it it it, it feels uh, like a precursor of other movies and other tropes that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I loved it. I freaking loved this movie. I'm so glad. Um, it's awesome. I fucking, as soon as I turned that on, I just knew. I was like, he, this is going to be his pick for the episode. <laughs> you know your co-host very well. Um, you do not thing. know what he has made me watch. I can only imagine. And you're better for it now, right? No. More worldly? Yes. More seasoned? <laughs> no? About as seasoned as that pig's feet, baby. <laughs> this is so gross. <laughs> I think you're right, though. You're right. This was a, sort of um, perhaps an influence on later films. And it's not a whodunit, obviously. It's more of a... Are they gonna catch him? It whatever. I mean, it's it's a weird. It's any movies that you sort of see the killer. You know, it's like okay, how are they gonna? I mean, Ten to Midnight, Charles Bronson versus new dude trying to kill people. That's kind of like you know who's doing it the whole time. Yeah. But will they actually manage to catch that slippery little sucker? You know, and and yeah. bring him in for justice. But even even some movies that are like a whodunit, like I I was getting a lot of really heavy like uh, New York Ripper vibes from this movie the oh. entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, you know, the hero, lady, it's like you think you, you question like, could he do something like this? But the answer is kind of yes. He's like very downbeat and cynical, and kind of he's at wit's end. Like in the book, he's actually older. He's like fifty and not as rakish as you know Blaney. But um, it's interesting. He's a really downbeat character, which I admire. That's a very seventies thing. I think this is not Jimmy Stewart. I can't imagine Jimmy in this role. <laughs> you know. Oh. <laughs> Sure, I, I didn't strangle her all the way. I was just trying to help her with her her, 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 her garment. Yeah, I, don't know. I can't do Jimmy either. Sorry, that's my bad, bad impression. Y'all need to leave my man alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, those are our ratings, and I think that's going to be the episode. Um, <laughs> Dwayne, thank you so much for having us, uh, or for having us, my gosh, for being <laughs> son of a now by the way yeah i didn't i didn't want her to come out this way but i'm officially resigning as co as uh, as a co-host and giving the reins off to Dwayne here <laughs> no, no thank you it's awesome being here this is so much fun uh, in a very disturbing way but in also a very cool way so this is a blast thank you both uh, thank you sir i had so much fun this episode um actually i am kind of sorry but not really best friends now just BFFs. Yep. Woo! <laughs> I haven't stared uh, wrong yet with my random Twitter. Oh. No, no, I've, I've like Ashley has done this a lot. Where I'm like, I don't know who the guest is. I've never oh, interacted really? with them before, uh, but it has gone great every single time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all, I'm all on board for it. Um, Dwayne, real quick, throw out your plugs and anything else that the listeners can check out, uh, your literature, any social media you want to plug, go ahead and throw that out. Sure. I have a, a short story collection called Lush and Other Tales of Boozy Mayhem out now. It's on ebook, finally, an ebook version, and uh, signed paperbacks if you're interested. Um, and coming out in a few months is my uh, next novel. It's called California Bear. It's not like Frenzy, but it's about a serial killer um, in a weird way. It's a very un- un-serial killer novel, though. 
I won't say any more. But that's out in two months from Mahalan Books. And you can find all this stuff on my website, which is gleefulmayhem.com. All of my nonsense is there in one place. And come say hi. But don't slide into my DMs looking for, you know, potato truck stuff. I don't know. Or whatever else. Yeah, don't be dicks. <laughs> or don't, don't 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 be sliding into into DMs like acting like a flock of cocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you. That's, that's... No, yeah, thank you, man. Uh, Ashley, throw out your plugs for the listeners. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and PlayStation Network and Letterboxd and every other place at Barely Ashley because I have no good sense and i put my actual name in my name yeah also don't slide into ashley's dms acting like a flock of cocks man i am begging you to stop it she has brown recluse spiders ready for the attack they will crawl up your urethra to stop you guys stop it like and if if you're thinking oh she's talking about other people I'm just gonna go ahead and message her no you are the problem sir. <laughs> it's just like if you talk to me like I'm a person, I may answer, but don't. You guys do not know the extent to which. Like if you want to say something like hey really appreciated the episode thought it was great, you can stop there. Cool, yeah. <laughs> Please don't go. I'm going to start reading them on the episode and naming you if you guys don't stop it. I would love that segment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, please stop. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, As far as other links go or what am I? What am I doing here? This is your time to shine. This is your plug. Oh, oh, plugs. Boy. That's the word I was looking for. As other as far as shit. As far as other plugs go, you can follow the twi- the Twitter on podcast. Wow. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Into Monsters. That's in the number two monsters. You can follow me personally at Raul versus Monsters. You can follow uh, you can follow the letterbox at into underscore monsters or the visit our website that gets updated periodically once a month at headlongandmonsters.godaddysites.com. And if you want to send us an email about uh, your thoughts or any other thing you want to share with the podcast, you can do that at headlongandmonsters at gmail.com. Also, we are one step closer to finally having the merch out. I did finish the design for the Ragul shirt and started the design for the Barely Ashley shirt, which is just a pinup of Ashley riding a toxic barrel from uh, The Return of the Living Dead. Oh, wait. That's awesome. My friend sent me this. That's cool. Oh, cool. Uh, listeners, you can't see that, but it's the it's a little toy figurine of the tar man popping out of the barrel. And it didn't <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to say, this was unboxed. I didn't unbox it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. you say anything. <laughs> Ashley, I, I can show you. I can show you what that image looks like later. I have the outline. I'm going to be working on the color and the shading okay. uh, for a little for a while. But I can show you what that looks like before I get too far into it. In case you want to change anything, but yeah, we're. I'm excited to announce we're one, one step closer to finally getting that merch out. We have necktie merch. With neckties, good for. 
No. I mean, if okay. you want to, if you want to put a necktie out there, I guess I don't know. They kind of my OnlyFans. Yes. <laughs> oh man! So I'm. <laughs> okay, I I during for my journey of like wanting to own tarantulas and all these other kind of insect pets. Uh, I have started following a bunch of like YouTubers that own tarantulas and insect pets. And one of them calls himself only fangs. Oh <laughs> God, that's hilarious. And I thought that was the funniest thing. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> we were talking about research funding at the, the conference I went to and my boss was like, we need to find like some, some ways to like, bolster funding outside of like federal sources and i was like research only fans you should have just said have you considered titties (laughs) (laughs) that's where it's at that's right um but but that's gonna be our episode uh thanks for listening Dwayne. thanks for being here uh what are we doing for the next one next episode is our thanksgiving episode and this year we decided to do films we're unthankful for. And we're going to have Dave, Dr. Shock back on. And he has agreed to once again watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. And if you know him at all, you know how passionate he is about his hatred for that film. Roel is going to be watching. Well, we're all watching Sharks of the Corn. You picked that one. And you two are forcing me to watch Arachnophobia. So... Sharks of the Corn, TCM4, Arachnophobia. Yeah, so so listeners, we Dave and I picked two shitty movies. And and Ashley picked an acclaimed American movie classic. No, no, no. No, no, no. I did not pick it. You guys picked it for me. Did did we? Yes. Because you know how much I hate spiders. Well, that's the only way I was going to get... Okay, I'm remembering now. It's the only way I was going to get you to watch the movie. Yep. John Goodman's in it, though. That would have been a good angle. I just rewatched this a week ago, and I'm going to rewatch it again for the episode. <laughs> I'm going to... It just makes me creeped out. I just hate spiders. Also, Dave has been talking about this episode on LOTC, and every time he talks about it, he laments the fact that I, he names me the one responsible for for uh, for making him rewatch, you know, TCM4. And that's fine. I'll take the credit. But he's, like, not shouldering any of that credit on you, because which I, I think is bullshit. Baby angel. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> that that's some shit, Ashley. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was my idea, too, so. I know. That's the funny thing. Like, you recommended it, and I'm the one that gets lambasted for it. It's it's some shit. Anyway, that's going to be it, listeners, and be sure to join us on that next exciting episode as we once again dive headlong into monsters. Bye.